2: Episodes one and two of Shrinking are over, but we're just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. I'm your host, Melissa Woodward, talking about the Apple TV Plus show Shrinking, starring Jason Siegel, Harrison Ford, Jessica Williams, and a variety of other characters that we will come to know and love, I hope. And I'm here with my co-host, Austin Smith. How you doing, Austin?
3: You know, I'm just, I'm doing it normal style, uh, I think, as we as come in today. Uh, I'm not really sure what that means, but, you know, I'm just going to roll with
2: it. Right, yeah. I'm just over here enjoying my hot chicken Nashville sandwich, whatever that was. Uh, <laughs> that was a bad <laughs> way to do that. But yeah, we're here. We're talking about it. The first two episodes have finally dropped. We recorded our kickoff podcast already, so if you missed that, check it out. We made some wild predictions and just talked about the very little that we knew about this show going into it and what we thought the tone might be. And now we've actually got to see some of it and had some of that confirmed. I think we were pretty much on the right track with a lot of it, but we'll get into it and we'll see.
0: That will.
2: yeah. If you're new, check it out. We have our own Podcast feed, which is very exciting. So you can search potionrecaps.com/slash shrinking uh, or just search shrinking post show recaps on your podcatcher of choice and subscribe to that so that you don't miss an episode. Our kickoff episode is already in there and you'll find all episodes of the podcast. Because it's a new feed, it's always super helpful if you rate and review even just something, you know, a really quick. Uh, rating can just be really helpful when people are looking for a podcast about this show to kind of move us up at the charts and make sure that we're visible. So we really, really appreciate taking the time to do that if you can. And yeah, gr- if you grow want- our
3: feed rather than shrink it, please.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. We want more people to come and talk about this <laughs> show and join. And, um, you know, I will say as someone who podcasts about Severance, the fact that we had new people kind of they would watch the show and be like, oh, I want to find someone who's talking about it. They would look it up. And so like, this does actually happen. It's not just the post show recaps, echo chamber that we're always (laughs) talking to in here. So it, it does genuinely help. And you can, if you want to talk to us more, you want to, uh, talk to us in our shrinking uh, chat in the Discord. You can join patreon.com slash recaps. Any level gets you access to the Discord. It gets you access to extra podcasts like A, starring myself talking about Doctor Who right now. So that's a good time. And yeah, you can come talk to us about all the TV and stuff and movies and everything you're watching. So that's our kind of brief little plugs off the top. And then we'll get into talking about these two episodes. So I think just to start before we dive in, Austin, general vibe. What are you thinking? Are you into it? Are you not sure yet? Are you thinking we were wildly off base with, with what we thought this was going to be? <laughs> Where are you at?
3: Look, a little bit of all of the above, I think. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's certainly not quite what I was expecting. You know, we talked a little bit in the preview podcast about, like, is this going to be a patient of the week thing? Or are we going to have, like, ongoing characters? It certainly seems like we're leaning towards the latter, though I thought we might be more the former. Um, I think overall, my, like, general vibe coming out of these first two episodes is that I don't love it. I don't even necessarily like it, but I don't dislike it. (laughs) I think I'm like firmly in the middle of like, okay, there's enough here that I can see it taking root and that I do really like enjoy the show by the end of the season, but I'm not necessarily holding out uh, like hope necessarily that it will be a remarkable series of television that will like linger in my mind long after the credits roll. It's, it's good. There's some good moments. There's some interesting characters, but it hasn't quite like gelled yet for me. I still feel like I'm kind of wandering around in the hedge maze of the opening credits a little <laughs> bit, hoping that it will like uh, coalesce and I'll find the right place by the end of this. But I don't know it's it's all right. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's my vibe.
2: I think I might be a bit warmer on it than you are. Like I I enjoyed it. I think. That what is going to be very, very key for me and potentially for viewer other viewers of the show, because I think seeing some of the initial reaction, I know there was a lot of hang up around like this man would be fired. This man would have his yeah. license revoked. This is not how therapy works. And as someone who watches a lot of science in television and has to suspend my disbelief and when i don't people tell me that i'm being ridiculous and unreasonable to expect that i <laughs> was portray any modicum of actual science to them i think this is going to be the same thing we have to suspend this disbelief here that there's enough plot armor in this situation that at least for now he's not losing his job he is a practicing therapist and while i think that that is harmful to the people that he interacts with and i would mm-hmm. certainly uh not be a fan of this if this was a real person in the context of this show i'm going to kind of give them the benefit of the doubt and see where it goes and i will rant about it on the podcast because that makes good podcasting to be like you know what yeah. this is stupid this is not how this should happen this is <laughs> terrible but i it's not the thing that's going to make me like actively dislike this show
3: yeah i kind of feel the same way Like. I kind of knew going in, like, the whole premise is, like, a a therapist going rogue. So we have to have the therapist go rogue, and we have to follow along with their path. Like, it's very clear from the trailer alone that he is going to be, you know, breaking some rules, getting his hands dirty. That said, it still kind of hit me harder in, like, watching it in full in the episodes, uh, in the way that it's portrayed, even in just some of the, the, the aspects of the conversations kind of becoming much more flippant uh, than I kind of anticipated. And I think as well, like where we start with Jimmy uh, and his, his sort of journey is like much rougher and I think harder to to root for than I kind of anticipated coming in. Um, so I think it will take a little bit of time to settle into some of that. Hopefully that is part of what the trajectory of his character arc is going to explore um, and hopefully build towards like finding ways to encourage these more uh, sort of these bigger sort of realizations in his patients without going quite as overboard as he kind of co- is coming in so hard and fast at the start here. And it's about him finding that middle ground, um, mm-hmm. of how to connect with his patients without just completely throwing, <laughs> uh, throwing ethics out the window would be ideal. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see where the show is going. Cause clearly, you know, we've, we've got what, 10 episodes, uh, you know, and I think as some of our, uh, some of the other discussions in the in the patron discord have been about the show already it's like we kind of start very much in the middle with like quite a pace on uh on the way that this is unfolding so if we're at this point two episodes in and we got eight more to go i'm hoping that's because there is like a good trajectory of especially for jimmy of a character arc that we are sort of following of him finding a balance in that uh, in that space. Uh, so if they can do that, I think I'm going to be on board. Uh, if not, if it kind of continues at the same kind of energy it is, I don't know how well it's going to land for me in the long run, but
2: yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's funny. It's certainly less funny than I thought it was going to be. Um, you see Jason Siegel and, uh, I think I was just expecting a bit more of a sprinkling of humor, but there's enough there that I was, into it. I And I I think it's interesting because I thought the, the feedback that people seemed a bit confused that this felt like a middle, you know, maybe a third episode or something, right? People felt like they wanted more setup. And I didn't have that problem at all. I actually really liked that we start, he's basically crashing into rock bottom, right? I think that that's mm-hmm. the thing that we are witnessing is we are not watching a man fall from grace, hit the bottom and rise back up again. We are watching a man who has been grieving for a year. And so yeah, like he's not a good person right now. He is doing some really terrible things. And like, to me, I'm I'm gonna, for the, the reason why I don't like just absolutely dislike this character is because I see that he is grieving and that I'm willing to sort of be like, do you know what? He's doing some really bad things right now and he's gonna have some making up to do. I think he is basically coming out of having hit rock bottom at this point and is starting to try to crawl his way out maybe it's one of those where like rock bottom is actually still coming and something with a patient is gonna go badly and he will like still have to you know look like he's doing better but he actually is still uh this is just kind of a distraction and a different form of uh kind of a maladaptive coping mm-hmm. but I do think that we are, getting to the point where he's getting up. And so I think that that's part of why there's this feeling of we're coming in the middle of the story, because this has been going on for a while. This is not a new thing. This happened a year ago. And so this falling out with his daughter has sort of already been happening. Him sort of just kind of coasting at work and not really being a very effective therapist for people has been going for a while. He's sort of pulled on and like, the relationships that he has in his life are all sort of hanging by a thread and we're sort of catching him in the middle of the story in that sense and picking up this life currently underway. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I don't mind that I don't mind the feeling that this, these characters have existed up till now they have, uh, relationships that we are sort of playing catch up to in terms of like, wait, so how do they know each other? Who's related? And, um, You know, again, as someone who does a bit of a mystery box show, I don't mind the, okay, I don't quite know. These two people are obviously close. We don't know why they're close yet, but the important thing to know is that they're close and we'll sort of figure out the details as we go.
3: Yeah, it's like it's something that I know uh, one of our uh, fellow podcasters and, and good friends, uh, Rich uh, DM Philly talks about of like, you know, that you want to start the story like close to the action when yeah. you're like t- getting into a story. And like we are very much there like we are like you know, if only a few scenes in do we get sort of the realization of what uh, the whole show is built around of Jimmy kind of having that sudden breakthrough of. I if I get a little bit messier in the way that I I interact with my patients maybe we can kind of shake them out of some of their ruts. Um you know the the blow up with with uh, with Grace the the woman who has the abusive husband like happens like really early in the first mm-hmm. uh, episode and I was kind of anticipating that that might be like the final scene of episode 1 mm-hmm. of that kind of like here's the 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 light bulb moment but we are you know approaching in a little bit faster of a pace you know where you're like you say where we're bouncing up uh, off the rock bottom where we start which i think can be a really compelling trajectory uh especially because i do expect like we'll probably drop to a lower bottom once again uh somewhere down in in the story here uh you know because you know you can spring up from the trampoline, but you always got to come back down and <laughs> it down again. Uh, uh, I'm really trying to make the trampoline metaphors work. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I do think that uh, there is an interesting path to go from following that, uh, that trajectory for Jimmy. I do think, and we'll get into it as we start breaking down the episodes uh, more specifically, that there are like a few like scenes or beats that while I really liked felt like they were maybe a little bit premature or they could have hit harder if we knew the characters a little more. Uh, But overall, I'm not opposed to where we start with Jimmy. I think it's just going to really depend on where do we end with Jimmy? When we look back at the season as a whole, is it a satisfying arc or does it feel like we didn't have enough grounding to Understand where we're going to to get on board with his with his story, and ultimately, I guess, where does the story end up going?
2: Yeah, yeah, we'll see. So, yeah, we've got episode one coin flip. So, where do we start, Austin?
3: We start in a scene that I did not expect to be our opening scene. Me neither. Uh, (laughs) I was like,
2: wait, did I miss something? (laughs) What? Yeah, yeah.
3: We start in uh, in a scene we saw uh, in the trailer where we see Liz uh, and uh, her partner Derek uh, woken up uh, in the middle of the night at 3 a.m. by Jimmy and Kiara and uh, Sarah uh, swimming around in the pool and, you know, enjoying some pretzels and Adderall and painkillers and loud music in the middle of the night. Uh, What do you think about our choice of where we start our story here?
2: This was so wild. First of all, like, Sarah, why is Sarah the name that no one can remember? Um, that was a bit wild to me. Um, and it, yeah, this was just like very, uh, this was a lot. This was really, I, I, I think for people I understand, I, like, we almost didn't need this scene. I don't totally mm. get why we had it. It certainly makes Jimmy harder to root for just from the very start. And this whole idea that he is like clearly not coping. And so turning to like a number of vices that mm. are really obviously like not being shown in it, you know, it's, it's, it's meant to be distasteful in this scene. And I, I think the more we find out about uh Jimmy, it is a bit like, really? Like this is yeah, I don't know. It's it's a bit like, okay, you're really not making this guy rootable from the start with this.
3: I agree. Like, and and that note, of like, did we need this scene? It kind of feels that way to me because it also feels like a very inconsistent Jimmy to the kind of like yeah. manic like and like or like you know, the, the, the type of depression that, that Jimmy sort of seems to be uh, stuck in in his grief through the rest of these two episodes is a very different type of coping mechanism, it feels like, to what we see in this, like, very, like, focused scene at the start, you know, uh, and again, it's like, I'm not necessarily opposed to it, like we've sort of been saying, like, if we're starting at rock bottom, like, if this is, like, his, like, rock bottom night, like, okay like that's something that we can work with but it doesn't feel like that's that was the emphasis of the scene like we didn't get any reflection on that specifically as like that night was my worst night Mm -hmm. um and you know while we get reference later to him you know sort of you know being high in like the uh the the session with sean later in the episode um you know like is his uh sort of use of uh prescription medication like part of his uh sort of journey is like is sort of breaking those habits is that something that's going to come back around and be important to the story or you know is his uh you know uh, indulging in you know whatever is the situation with kiara and sarah uh like is that something that is going to be a part of his story going forward is he you know falling into those sorts of habits of utilizing uh of sex of drinking of, of self-medicating like is that part of his journey or was it just a mechanic to introduce like this guy's not doing well and I feel like one of those options is gonna like has potential to work well and one of those doesn't <laughs> and I'm a little worried that it's the one that doesn't
2: yeah I, I definitely because fr- I agree that it feels inconsistent with who he is in the rest of the episodes and so I think like this this scene works best for me if I sort of just pretend it didn't happen and pretend the episode yeah. starts later. And I get that like we're sort of um supposed to meet Liz in this way. Um actually think one of the mvps for the episodes for me is derek her husband who (laughs) seems just like completely miserable with his life (laughs) at one point when he's like walking the dog later and he's like just walking the dog i didn't want like just Mm -hmm. (laughs) he's just so like put upon by life (laughs) so that was very funny um but yeah i don't know i don't really know what to make of this scene and i think i'm sort of happy to pretend it didn't happen and sort of jump with the next scene yeah
3: yeah I kind of feel the same uh so yeah I guess it's something to kind of think about as we go forward like is this thing giving us anything in retrospect as we go forward but let's move forward uh to where it kind of feels like the episode maybe should have started (laughs) um as uh as Jimmy is sort of up in the morning sort of pretty depressed the sprinkler is going off in his face uh he goes into kind of Start his day, and his daughter Alice kind of comes in, grabs her overnight oats, and just rolls on out the door without much conversation. Uh, you know, picks up the family portrait that either Jimmy's knocked down or is like intentionally placed down. Is kind of more the implication, but you get a very clear sense right away that uh, his family life uh, on the inside is, is not doing well. As Alice uh, goes, and I think uh, gets a lift to to school from Liz
2: yeah I first of all overnight oats great breakfast food I uh ate, ate them a lot in grad school because they were very good like grab and go for like mm-hmm. 8 30 a.m plus breakfast so you know
3: yeah I've never been an oats like sort of for breakfast person I was never super into like the you know the the hot porridges uh hmm. you know and, and cold oats just uh it's not really my vibe but I don't know maybe I should try it now that I'm more more mature <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah and then like you add cinnamon to it and you can add like fruit uh i would often stick like frozen fruit in it the night before so that like the juices would all like mix in. there's like there's some okay that that actually
3: sounds pretty appealing okay okay i'm going to try before we finish out (laughs) this (laughs) coverage of of shrinking i will try some overnight oats and see if i can find a a version that works for me
2: nice If I remember correctly, it's basically like equal parts. It's like a third of a cup of oats, a third of a cup of yogurt, and a third of a cup of milk. I would like usually use some like non dairy milk or something, and then like a teaspoon of cinnamon. And you just like stick it all in a jar, mix it up, stick it in the night in the fridge the night before, and let it sort of like soften up overnight.
3: All right. All right. Okay. I think I can make that work. I will at least try it. I will endeavor okay. to, to break out of my my habits and try some overnight oats um, and see if that improves for me. Uh, but what's not improving is is Jimmy's day uh, as he leaves <laughs> leaves the house, uh, hops on hops in the car. It's out of gas, uh, and so he grabs the bike, uh, trips over it, is riding his way into work. Is overtaken by a bunch of. Uh, rather jerkish cyclists uh, passing this this poor fella um, as he arrives at his place of work, stumbling in late into his first appointment for the day.
2: Yeah, I can't even... Gosh, I can't even imagine if this is my therapist like coming in in this state, I would be like, okay, I don't really feel like I can like open up to you emotionally right now while you are <laughs> literally like just showing up, uh, not really looking all that put together. I feel for this first patient especially
3: yeah for sure uh we get to know a little bit in in the subsequent scene i think uh we got some feedback about like that this scene would have like had like clearly was written with more of the intent of like the surprise of like he's not the patient he's the therapist uh and i think if you look at it through that lens you can see you know, the intention of the way that it was, was shot was, was paced. Uh, But we know the premise, so it doesn't really land with that same sort of humor.
2: Yeah. Um, Especially because he's the only guy that isn't sitting on the couch. Uh, This patient hmm. sits in the chair for some reason.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, who knows? Uh, maybe we'll get into, I think it's Stephen is is his particular first uh, patient. Uh, maybe we'll get into a little bit of why he prefers to sit in the chair and not the couch and whether that has anything to do with him not wanting to be a joy boy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but we we do sort of cut from this, this moment to our title sequence. Uh, yeah. What do you think about the title sequence?
2: I dig it. I think Apple consistently has some good title sequences i think that like the severance is severance is one of the best title sequences i think i've seen in a very long time um even like shining girls had like a pretty neat sequence that had lots of like clues and stuff for the episode and so i wonder if uh i'm gonna sort of keep an eye out see if the title sequences changes at all or or takes on new meanings as we go but basically this like wandering through the hedge maze with this like red flag so that you can be kind of found if you're lost and 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 find your way out of the maze uh i thought was all kind of symbolic of where I expect this show will go. And then when it zooms out into the brain, I was like instantly like, yes, brains. Brains are great. (laughs) Brains.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I really liked it too. Uh like I love the the details of like using the ladder and the mower to like get through the maze like unconventionally, rather than doing like the long winding around, like trying to find your way through like let's just get to the heart of the matter, like very clearly like emblematic of the way that jimmy is going to to approach that but uh like is a shortcut the best way i don't know i feel like that's something that perhaps the you know if we think about the title sequence if it is like teasing out the thematics of the show yeah the shortcut being the the best way is probably something that we're going to be exploring uh here but let's start Digging into perhaps some of these characters that are going to uh, be dragged uh, along the shortcut by Jimmy's new uh, new way of going about things. We kind of are introduced in this montage sequence uh, to a number of his patients, uh, some of which we still don't have names for. But we have the aforementioned Stephen, who seems to have problems with his mother, uh, doesn't want to be her joy boy. Uh, we yeah. have Dan, who is uh, seemingly annoyed by everything, particularly his local barista. Uh, we have a couple of uh, characters that I didn't catch their names of if we did get them dropped in these episodes. There's uh, a woman who's talking about all of her compulsions, who we later see in a see- in a scene where she's like holding her breath uh, yeah. when she looks at a clock um, and is talking about how one compulsion just replaces the next. Uh, we have uh, a fellow who we only see in this scene so far who's, uh, you know, sort of a young uh, sort of businessman looking fellow who's like concerned about only finding superficial girls while superficiality seems to be his own vice or, or problem that he's not seeing. Uh, and lastly, we're introduced to Grace, uh, who we saw in the trailer originally, who has uh, this emotionally abusive partner who is uh, – you know, causing a bunch of problems for for her and making her feel feel small. Uh, you know, criticizing her body, uh, and uh, yeah, it's just a an interesting little cast of of characters that it seems like we are being set up to be. These are going to be recurring characters throughout the series. So, did anyone stand out to you amongst this initial crop of patients?
2: Not. Really, I think that it's like a lot of these people, you sort of get why um, a therapist job is sometimes really hard. Like as Mm -hmm. someone who considered a career in therapy and thought better of it, part of it was I was like, some people are really going through a lot and like could really use a lot of help with this. And some people need to get out of their own way and like stop mm-hmm. being jerks. <laughs> uh, and I was like, you know, I th- I think that it's it's interesting that um, I do think that the ability to like find compassion for people, even when their outward projection is things like anger and and you know this, I'm thinking like Dan in particular, right? Like later we'll see mm-hmm. the thing where he says like you know, you're living a pretty lonely life because you do this. And it's, we're not getting into like why Dan does this, but there's certainly, I'm sure, some, something there that could make him, you know, kind of rootable and understandable. And so part of the, the important part of being a therapist is like seeing that, that value and that level of understanding for each people. And it's just something that I imagine is occasionally harder to do for some people than others it's just what i'm saying
3: 100% and i think like we definitely get the gamut here and especially these uh at least four of these five that were introduced to like their issues like at at sort of face value are kind of played a little bit for uh if not the laughs but at least like finding the kind of uh, the challenge in why jimmy is is sort of struggling with you know wanting to as he later says like shake them out of it um that they are a little bit Uh, surface level or they are you know things that they just need to click to that they are their own worst enemy perhaps um but the the one that is uh sort of most focused on here and that it becomes a bit of a a runner through through these couple episodes is grace um and this is where right away like in the first scene after the credits really we get the scene from the trailer where uh jimmy snaps and uh just has had enough of hearing about how uh grace's husband who i don't know if we get his name um how he's been treating her and uh it sort of reaches this point where he uh tells her that your husband is emotionally abusive he's not working on it he doesn't intend to he makes you think it's all you deserve but just effing leave him uh and grace is naturally (laughs) taken aback and uh ultimately Uh, Jimmy kind of gives her this ultimatum of, like, leave him or I'm done being your therapist. Like, a pretty intense uh, response. And she, like, understandably just kind of gets up and leaves, mostly in confusion, it feels like.
2: Yeah, it's one of those things where I was like, Jimmy, you had me in the first half. Like, I I do think that, like, I think that there is a room, there's room in therapy for a therapist who has a trusted relationship with their client to be like, to reflect back the relationship that they are seeing and that is being described to them of like that like i know that you don't see this as abusive but like t- a teaching moment of like emotional abuse is a th- like not all, you know it's not mm-hmm. all like physical hitting or whatever right like you know a, a teaching of like this is emotional abuse this is you know manipulation these are patterns that are existing in your relationship that i'm highlighting for you that Um, you know, I'm going to help you learn to identify and then figure out what you want to do with that. But I'll, you know, I I think that the first part of this is obviously not, um, done in a professional way and done (laughs) in a, um, in a compassionate way, but I think the ultimatum is so gross. And I like really hated Mm. that part of it. And I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, you're going to end up like helping her. And I really wish you hadn't with this particular way of putting it because I, I don't think he needed the last line. uh, And I think that he's just that bit more rootable if he doesn't give her the ultimatum like that.
3: Agreed. Uh, I think it's one of these things that is where the show does sometimes lose me a little bit in these first couple episodes is like, just a few lines here and there, but it's like, if you just didn't have that line or if you just didn't have like that opening scene or like, Mm -hmm. like I just be like just that little bit more on board. And I don't think your like message, at least from what I can tell thus far, two episodes in would be compromised by removing some of these like harsher edges um, that kind of really cross the line. And in some ways set Jimmy up to be rewarded for things that are, not uh the kinds of things that we want to be approving and something like this 100 is not remotely remotely a a good way to to interact with someone that is that is struggling and that you are trying to help uh it's just it's not great uh so didn't love it <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, to, and i i do cool. wonder like how much of this is on purpose right like how much of yeah. this is we're supposed to see like he is doing bad things he is not doing good things or like mediocre things that can be taken with a grain of salt and understood in the context it's like this is a guy who is making bad decisions who's doing harmful things to the people around him like I guess it's just hard in a, like, I know our, our friend Grace Leader has talked about, like, I think we're kind of past the age of the anti-hero. Like, we're mm-hmm. not, we're not at a point in society where we want to, like, excuse people for being bad people anymore. There's a bit of a, like, you still have to be held, co- like, responsible for your actions. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lack of knowledge about a situation or whatever that still causes harm to people doesn't excuse that. Um, you know your grief here a year in like doesn't excuse what you're doing here and i i don't think we're supposed to excuse it mm. but it it is a lot very quickly like th- we didn't ramp up to the like oh like we are getting hit with this very hard i very much understand why people are being kind of taken aback by that and saying like you know i don't know like i really don't like this guy this is going to be really hard for you to come back out of this hole if we're supposed to like this guy and i have to feel like you don't cast jason siegel in a role when you're like you know we want to be unlikable uh you know marshall from, (laughs) from how i met your mother right
3: yeah yeah and i think that that is like the big the big element here of like we expect that the show is probably going to uh you know him on an arc that is ultimately where we're going to be interested and like supportive of his like personal journey this doesn't feel like the kind of show that we are setting him up to be the like the villain that (laughs) of, of the story this is a story about a bad man nothing about the way that this show has been marketed or even these first couple episodes have been framed suggests that so starting so harsh feels really tough uh for the kind of vibe that it feels like this show wants to explore uh so the one thing that is kind of giving me a little bit of like hope that we are going to directly explore uh the way that jimmy is going about this are his two co-workers mm-hmm. uh, as we move from this scene into the break room which becomes a bit of a recurring uh locale throughout these couple episodes uh, and we are introduced to Gabby and Paul. Uh, in, like, I think the the, the heart of this uh, show so far, or the like the best scenes in this show for me, have been these like bantery scenes with uh, especially these three. Uh, so what do you think about our, our introduction to, to Gabby and Paul?
2: I mean, I I feel like we called it, we knew Jessica Williams was going to be a highlight. I think that she is just so funny in this. Um, I thought that, um, not to jump ahead, but the information that we end up getting that she is Alice's godmother, I thought was wild. And I was like, oh, okay. These, these two are close and like have been close for a while mm-hmm. and their friendship was very cute. And I, we started again to see bits of it in that episode where the two of them clearly have this running bit where they know nothing about, um, Harrison Ford's character, whose name I'm totally blanking on. Oh, Paul, thank you. Uh, they know nothing about Paul's home, and they were joking about, like, do you have tiny tables in your home, Paul? Because, like, <laughs> they clearly know nothing. Like, that was one of the highlights of these two episodes yeah. for me. Because I was like, oh, these three are close and have had, like, running gags, and and clearly it's sort of this uh, Jimmy and Gabby kind of, you know, giving it to Paul and, and joking is like, the bit of the underlings, but he clearly cares about them and and they're all like clearly very enmeshed in each other's lives in to a degree so it was very cool to get to see them and I I loved this whole like water bottle bit I thought it was so cute I've like (laughs) totally seen these like gigantic water bottles right where they say like drink a whole one in one day and that is your hydration for the day right yeah
3: (laughs) yeah I got one sitting on the desk right here with me uh and and we we do love a a a hydration running gag in in the psr space uh so (laughs) this this had me uh had me cracking up and like like we sort of uh were alluding to the the dynamic the very like relaxed rapport and chemistry between these three actors and like the transfers into their characters like is for me so far the highlight of the show um they're their quick banter, like, uh, polls, like, very dry, sarcastic humor, yeah. um, that, like, that they managed to do a good job, it feels like, of it not feeling like the curmudgeon of the office, but just like, he just has a very dry and kind of biting sarcastic sense of humour, but he gives as good as he gets in terms of the way that he banners with uh, the more excitable, like Gabby and Paul, uh, Gabby and Jimmy. Um, so I really loved uh, their dynamics. And I think this scene does a really good job of establishing that sort of relaxed relationship between them while also setting up uh Jimmy's kind of struggles as he's sort of trying to continue doing this work, uh, helping other people while he's struggling to help himself. And we get uh, Paul Harrison Ford's character talking about uh, how you know that is not unexpected. Uh, and even in good times, there is such a thing as compassion fatigue. Uh, and that all of this weight that you're taking on as a therapist can reach a point where it's just a little bit too much.
2: Yeah. One of our pieces of feedback from Emily was asking basically um, for us to comment on this compassion fatigue piece. And I think it's just so real. Um, It's absolutely something that I've experienced in my life where I I realized that like minor requests from other people are just sort of setting me off. And it's like, oh, I just feel like I have been tapped out i've cared about other people so much that i haven't been caring about myself and i think it's just very relatable in this industry and so how quickly paul's like that's what's going on
3: yeah you get the sense as well of like his uh Uh, his experience in the field, obviously, you know, uh, purely by, by age, presumably he's a a sort of a a much more senior therapist in this space, but you get the sense of his wisdom here as well, as well as his care for, for these two uh, that are constantly giving him guff about not drinking enough water um, and not telling him anything about uh, his personal life. Uh, But yeah, it's, it's a tough, situation for sure uh, as we've as we've talked about here and it kind of just seems to get even heavier for Jimmy as Gabby asks him to take on a referral that she kind of tries to sugarcoat as an easy case, but it's an ex-serviceman who's got a record of assaults that is sort of increasing. And as we later learn, he's been sort of mandated by the courts to attend some therapy after beating uh, beating a man basically into a pulp after he went unconscious. Uh, And we're introduced to Sean. what do you think about what appears to be our sort of main patient character uh, through yeah. these couple episodes?
2: Um, quick shout out. I love at the line. Uh, I know Virginia Woolf tried to drown herself too. I thought it was so funny. Uh, <laughs> that like, got me. <laughs> it, it caught me so off guard and like clearly caught Gabby off guard too. I was like, Harrison Ford is funny in this show. And I wasn't really
3: He is expecting... so freaking funny.
2: <laughs> yeah, I wasn't totally expecting it from him. So that was like, that just uh, killed me. I have a question for you. And I, I've only hmm. just thought of this. And maybe it's nothing. Do you think that Gabby was truthful when she asked Jimmy to take this referral because she's just swamped and busy? Or do you think there's another reason she might've done that? And we'll find out more about Gabby in that way.
3: I mean, we do get the beat in the, in the second episode when she goes to talk to Liz in like a pretty like a messy scene that she has her own stuff that she is dealing with um, that we haven't explored, but it's very clearly stated there. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a situation where Gabby is kind of trying to offload something um, that maybe is like it's a little close to home or is just, uh, a you know, she has, you know, her own stuff that's weighing on her and just needs a bit of space from either this particular case or just in general. Uh, and we kind of get a sense of Gabby as being, like, a pretty chipper person uh, and has, like, but has a little bit of pushiness to her. <laughs> um, okay. So I could totally, totally see that this is something that wasn't just a a random ask, but was something that Gabby was more intentionally trying to get out of, Uh that that could come back around uh and be a be a source of of conflict and uh uh and and drama in that relationship between these two very tight friends
2: yeah could be and uh yeah this uh that home alone beat of the she like slaps her face and she's like you'll get that later (laughs) (laughs) like we'll
3: come back to this but like this is one of those things that like irrationally annoys me (laughs) because when people don't characters don't get references that everyone gets like it's on the poster you know like if you've got the dvd of home alone to go and watch in the bath jimmy that face is on the dvd cover (laughs) it's on the little icon on netflix um but uh i don't know (laughs) it was still a fun beat and uh But we swing, yeah, very much from from this sort of lighter space in in the break room uh, to Sean.
2: Yeah, I think that, like, I think we're going to come to understand Sean a bit better. And I thought it was really interesting that they start with someone who is dealing with anger. Because, again, I think it would be so easy for... It to start to someone who's like dealing with um, depression, uh, or, or something that is maybe like I think the fact that it's like this guy is beating people up and putting them in the hospital, like that is really hard to find compassion for. Um, and they're they're going to do it by the end of the episode. You're basically going to be like, oh, I you are dealing with a lot, and like. The, violence and like physicality was such a component of your life and this is like how you have learned to process your emotion and that is really shitty um so I think it'll be really interesting I don't think that Sean is going to again be a character who like makes good decisions that we fully support as an individual I think it's going to be a journey for him too and so um I think it's really interesting and I I thought that I actually thought the MMA thing was kind of genius like I I like when this first started I was like oh that's actually like it's not a terrible suggestion of like you clearly have a lot of like pent up feeling You need to like find ways to express that anger in a like healthy setting. And I thought the tie in to the MMA with his wife was like this really neat connection that, you know, we'll talk about. But the thing that's the problem is that it's happening during the therapy session. So it's Mm -hmm. not that it's like, I suggest that you go do some MMA in your free time. And like, now let's talk about why you're angry all the time and how you can better cope with that emotion when it presents and you're not in the middle of fighting somebody um but clearly that's not happening is that he's just like punching people instead of actually processing his emotion which i'm sure will be a thing that we get to and and talk (laughs) about but um yeah it was sort of interesting that there was a moment where i was like oh that's actually kind of genius like that might actually be helpful and then i was like oh wait but they're like not talking anymore they're just going to mma fights
3: yeah, yeah, I I fully agree. Like, I think it's a great like idea. In in you know, as someone who is not a therapist who has no training in that space <laughs> yeah. whatsoever, seems to me to be like a sensible like outlet for uh you know controlled expression of that that pent up emotion and the physicality and the outlet that already like Sean is finding, but redirecting it into a, a safer and consenting space. Uh, but yeah, where when it's when it's something that is happening during the therapy session uh and that sort of gabby like lampshades later as well like that it's he's forcing <laughs> like he mm-hmm. kind of drags sean there to be like you're doing this right now um is kind of where it, it starts crossing that ethical line um which i do appreciate like we immediately get in like the subsequent scene that like gabby like calls him out on it right away yeah like, this is this is not great, and especially the the point of, like, okay, you're forcing a Black man (laughs) to fight a bunch (laughs) of people in this cultural atmosphere, um, like, is something that is very clearly, like, not great!
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I adore that the, there's no, like, at least no one in this show is pretending that this is okay. There's no mm. sort of like, oh, well, at least if it's helping, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, every single person that sees this is like, this is unethical and wrong and you shouldn't be doing it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So. The Gabby the immediately is like, look, uh, you know, as, as uh, Jimmy's trying to sort of explain like why it's like, why it's been this light bulb moment for him after uh, sort of having that really rough first uh, meeting with Sean, where he's you know still kind of hopped up uh, from his crazy night before he's yawning. Uh, he's like the phone's going off the next day. And Sean's just like, what the hell is going on that there is this sudden like spark that clicks into place that uh, we kind of breezed over it, but is uh, fueled by him getting a phone call from grace. Who's, calling to let him know that she has indeed taken his advice and is leaving and going to her sister, uh, and, uh, in, in Canada, uh, and is, is heading in, somewhere in- like away.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's <strange> neighbor. yeah. <laughs> uh,
3: but, uh, that sort of then inspires him to, to sort of run with this memory that he's sort of felt the, the more the night before, uh, with, with his wife, Tia, um, and, takes him to the MMA. But then when we get to that scene with Gabby, he's so excited, but she is so quick and just constantly just like, nah, this is not good. I don't want any of this. Like, it's nice to see you have your spark back, Jimmy, but rut row. <laughs> mm. uh, and it is, yeah, there, there is no space that Jimmy is being given that like, this is okay, keep going with it. He's constantly being pulled up on it. The only thing that's happening here is he's not being fired <laughs> or suspended for the practice. So uh, that is like the one thing that's like, uh, Gabby, Paul, like yeah. maybe like don't just be like don't do it <laughs> if uh, if he's pressing on this space. But I guess it's complicated when you're working people you care about and that they have also sort of been through the ringer in some capacity with uh, with Jimmy and his grief and uh, are very close to the situation.
2: Himself. Yeah, again that is that bit of like suspension of disbelief of like if this was a real world therapist, these were real world patients, I would be like the harm that he is doing to his patients is not okay and they have a duty to report it and like get his license suspended and that would be obviously a very hard thing for people to do- actually do, but like they are as unethical in their practice of not reporting him if they know that it's happening. So yeah, I'm just sort of like yep that's not okay really not wouldn't fly in the real world would not do not condone any of this for the sake of the show i understand that we are going to hold off on doing that and they are being understanding to his situation and um you know okay fine but
3: (laughs) yeah yeah. it's it's interesting, and we get like then pretty much back to back after like the little a little montage where we do get to see Jimmy finally getting to figure out where uh, uh where Macaulay Culkin's Home Alone face is coming from. Um, where we get the scene with Paul, uh, sort of similarly also like chiding Jimmy for going off book. Uh, and we get another of these sort of scenes that like we saw lots of bits and pieces from the trailer. Um, this is where we get the the title line of the episode about a coin flip where Paul is challenging like are you trying to be careful or are you just willing to burn down your career and take me with you? Uh, And the one thing I did sort of like, uh, and I think is maybe sort of worth uh, uh, digging in on this scene as well is again, just like that rapport uh, between, between these two characters uh, and the two actors as well. Like it's a very, for a very like serious scene, there is a lot of humor (laughs) in in the, in the way that they interact. So,
2: I was going to say because we um, like the bits of this show that I am enjoying so far is Mm -hmm. number one kind of the relationship between these three and their sort of dynamic Uh, and then the other bit that I'm really enjoying is the the dynamic with the daughter. I think that exploring this I think this is going to be the relationship that makes me cry. Uh, I'm just Mm -hmm. like I haven't done it yet, but I'm like, I'll put money on it, that I will cry <laughs> That's over <the> <laughs> Jimmy and Alice's relationship before the end of it. Like some of this stuff that we're going to get, even in these bits of like, I knew, I knew he was going to say it's because she looks like her. I knew it. And I was just mm-hmm. like, not, and it, um, I, I, I'm, I feel like they are setting us up to, um, punch us in the gut with something to do with this so i i'm intrigued by this show largely for that reason because i love i love a show that punches me in the the gut so
3: Yeah. yeah and like and we're sort of like jumping ahead a little bit to this scene but like this is like the big alice scene of of the premiere episode is where uh she comes down in the morning and jimmy's gotten fresh blueberries for her oats um and like yeah, you know, earlier in the episode he like, tries like cooking her an omelette to like you know find ways to connect with her but yeah he gets stuck in the topiaries
2: her. which i thought was a bit funny oh, yeah yeah <laughs> where he's like <laughs> what, what are, how do you get it? and she's like i don't know a guy comes and cuts them like
3: <laughs> <laughs> so would you like some dinners like come to the front door <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah. um but yeah like this whole like dynamic with with Alice uh and, and Jimmy and the way that she's sort of found refuge over at the neighbor uh, uh with Liz um who you know we kind of explore a little bit more in the second episode, uh, but that Alice is sort of just trying to get through all of this herself and it kind of comes to a head in in this later scene where uh where Jimmy gets her fresh blueberries for the oats uh, he washes her jersey for her soccer game. But Alice, you know, sort of really for the first line that she really says to to her father beyond just like a flippant a sort of like offhanded comment is, uh, you know, this speech of this isn't enough. What you're doing, you've been walking around for so long acting like it only happened to you, but it happened to us. It happened to me. And I've been dealing with it on my own because I had to. So please don't think that blueberries and washing a shirt are enough to make you forgive, uh, make me forgive you. For all of that and she leaves to go on to her day uh to uh yeah sort of oven your life and it's, it's this crystallized point of like this is where this relationship is starting from complete mm-hmm. disconnection uh, alice completely like at a point of not even wanting to try with jimmy even more anymore um and jimmy just beginning to sort of figure out that he needs to try <laughs> Um, but is not sure where to start and I agree I think this has the capacity to be a really like touching story and I feel like it's going to be the emotional core of of the series especially once we get into later episodes and find out that Alice like build more connections to Alice and the rest of the cast uh you know especially with Paul Uh, but also knowing that Gabby is her godmother like it's it feels like the whole show is ultimately going to revolve around this particular particular dynamic and yeah I think I think it'll probably get me too I'm a crier (laughs) so (laughs) it'll it'll get me at some point I'm sure unless uh unless the show really goes off the rails
2: yeah so yeah this was like the moment that I because I you know I I saw the feedback coming in about the show and I was like oh no Austin and I have agreed to cover it like what if it's really bad uh and then this was the moment that I was like, "Oh no, there's enough good stuff here that I w- I'm going to want to talk about. I think this will be, um, this will be good." And like, this was the moment that sort of won me over on the show of like, "I'm not a hundred percent there yet. You've done some things that I kind of wish you hadn't." Waiting to see where the payoff is for a lot of it, but for me, I can already see the pe- the potential payoff here, and i I think that I, I think that we could see it, and I. Just this whole idea of like forgiveness is not a thing that you just like suddenly start doing better and it's granted to you. It's something that has mm-hmm. to be earned over time. And like, it's not something that's automatic just because of the type of relationship that you have. And that this Jimmy is going to have to work for a while to make up for this thing that he did. And just this whole idea of like, experiencing the depth of the grief that he did but also the fact that Alice was experiencing that grief too and he wasn't able to kind of see outside of his own grief to connect with her through that and like continue to take care of her that she had to rely on on Liz and and all of that I I really feel for Alice being very abandoned in that moment and I don't begrudge her at all for calling him out here and saying like, this isn't enough, like keep, you know, she's not saying like, I will never forgive you, but it's like, okay, not there yet. Like keep it up, but you know, (laughs) remains to be seen.
3: Yeah. Like it does feel like perhaps one of the things that we'll sort of explore with this, this show is like, especially as Jimmy tries to like apply these like very like chaotic, like fast paced solutions to his, uh, to his patients like going for that shortcut this relationship with alice is not something he can shortcut he just can't yep. get to the center of the maze like right away he's gonna have to figure out the right path to mend this relationship and as we kind of start exploring the second episode as well like that alice is gonna have to do that as well like that it's not just a one-sided like thing here like both like jimmy needs to make good on this year of neglect that he is uh, sort of given to his daughter, but that Alice needs to find the right way to open up, to be receptive to that as well, and to uh, you know deal with her grief and her you know uh, sense of abandonment and all of the the complex that has sort of been bubbling under the surface there as well. So i'm I'm really excited to see where this story goes because it's not for nothing that that's the beat that we end both of the episodes on is Mm -hmm. on alice and jimmy in some capacity so i think it's very much the emotional core and i am i am certain it's going to hit hard as we go forward because it was a really wonderfully written little scene like Mm -hmm. the the show does feel like it does like the banter really well like i love like dry banter Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it does that really well and it does like these few little scenes of like especially the the speeches themselves um like here and then there's a couple more in the second episode that just managed to hit really well uh the scenes around them sometimes not quite as strong but the actual delivery of these like moments of honesty and earnestness uh from these characters that are struggling that are dealing with things that are trying to find their way through that maze uh are, are really wonderful little scenes
2: yeah it's really good um, you know, we get this bit uh, with Sean as well, which I thought was another, again, like, bit of emotional thing here where he talks about his time being gone and he can't get it back when Jimmy asked, like, when was the last time you were happy? And he, he's basically saying, like, the times I was happy, I can't ever have again. And that makes me angry. And, like, gosh, that feels so justified. Oh like his Mm -hmm. happiness was taken from him because of being in the military and that like no wonder he's so mad like that seems so understandable and like obviously we do not deal with our anger by punching people and putting them (laughs) in the hospital like you know kindergartners learn this sean but i get why he's feeling the emotion that he is even if he is not processing processing it in at all a good way so again this was another It was kind of the one-two punch of these two scenes that I was like, okay, there's some like emotion here that even if Jimmy is not yet a super rootable character, I'm rooting for these other people in this Mm -hmm. show, and so I'm hoping that their relationship with Jimmy will sort of endear him to the audience as we see him trying his best for these other people, even if he is making mistakes and not doing a very good thing. I do think that at least Jimmy seems to genuinely care about his patients. The fact that he's driving all over the place to like pick them Mm -hmm. up and getting text message updates from them and seeming excited by their success and whatever. I do think there is a degree to which Jimmy still genuinely cares about these people. And so at least from that, I hope that like more appreciation for him as a character can grow.
3: It does feel like that's the way the story is is trying to like set Jimmy up um, in that sort of space that you know it is this sort of quintessential like the the therapist is trying to help the patients but it's the patients that help the help the one that that they you know that sort of reversal it's classic narrative stuff um, (laughs) that very much feels like what we're what we're exploring here and yeah the the what I really loved about this like moment of honesty from Sean is like, you kind of mentioned before, like, okay, he, he's dragged off to the MMA and is no longer talking, but we do get scenes like after the first MMA like uh, mm-hmm. session and also here where clearly like Jimmy is sitting down with, uh, uh with Sean after, after he's had a bout, after he's kind of gotten out some of that aggression. And it's kind of like in that space to be a little bit more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially this, that line about how, how Sean is, you know, sort of really like earnestly grieving, uh, the life that he doesn't get to have anymore. And it's something that, uh, for a show that is centralized on the grief that is focused on, uh, like losing someone. It's so important. And I think really interesting that we are putting Jimmy so close to another character who is also grieving, but in a very different way. Because grief comes in so many forms. Grieving for a life that you can't have anymore because something has changed out of your control, whether it's developing a chronic illness, whether it's uh, experiencing increased trauma because of, uh, you know, of war, of just like... Any a number of traumas mm-hmm. that are that are out there in the world. Uh, many people out there dealing with the after effects of uh, the recent global pandemic are uh, also yeah. still like grieving from like time itself and what changes that I really love that we are putting that uh, aspect into play. Um, that this isn't just about losing a wife or losing a mother or losing a, a loved one, but that we are all in some ways, dealing with our own stuff, and a lot of it comes down to the grief of what we don't have, uh, what we've lost along the way. Uh, so I love that that pairing here. Um, and it's the point where Jimmy, you know, again, breaches ethics by sharing yeah. a lot about his personal life um, in an attempt to kind of connect with Sean and and sort of share exactly what happened to to his wife Tia. We learn that she died in a car accident, and that the last time uh, they saw each other, they were in a fight. So it is this like very, it's it's that worst case scenario that like everyone always talks about. Like you don't want to go to bed angry. You like if you if you leave the house on an argument, like uh, be careful because <laughs> if this happens, it's a lot to deal with. And I think it adds to why Jimmy is so cut up by this group not just losing someone that he is incredibly close to uh his wife that he that he very clearly loves but that it ended not in a not in any sense that he had control over uh or that she had control over uh or that they were able even able to end with a degree of resolution between them but that there is this unresolved fight that they left on and it's it's tragic <laughs> yeah it is
2: uh, and it's so interesting because you know like I said we, I, I talked about um, like mirroring emotion is such a um, standard therapy technique of if someone is really agitated and and speaking really quickly that you kind of mirror that in your voice and you also speak quickly and and kind of emphatically in that way to show, as a way of kind of conveying your empathy of like i'm you know understanding the emotions that you're dealing with and i'm representing those emotions in myself to kind of have that connection and so it's so it's basically this idea here of you know i understand what you're going through and that really sucks and you're not the only person in the world feeling this way you're not alone in feeling this way is like such a genuinely healing idea and is something that I think a lot of us like when we do connect with people about something you know this is why like support groups exist right Mm -hmm. like having this idea that other people who are going through the same thing as you making you feel less alone and processing all of that is a genuine Mm -hmm. like therapeutic technique it's just that like the dynamic of therapist and client requires a like degree of separation in terms of the ability to sort of reflect and reframe and present and you have this sort of like um greater understanding of the perspective that you're reflecting back on the client and then that you know sometimes these like personal like fuzzy boundaries can be really tough I know like I'm totally guilty of with my therapist anytime I find out like the smallest bit about her personal life I'm like oh I like you know she was going on vacation she let me know that her like partner was joining her and I was like oh you have a partner and I was like (laughs) I've I've, like sampled this like and it felt like I was like peering behind the curtain of like like the secrets of like who you are and whatever which was very funny but she is very um I always say it, it like feels like I'm like sitting down with a girlfriend, but one who's just like really, really good at reflecting my stuff back to me and doesn't also tell me about her problems. It's like often <laughs> feeling. But I think a good therapist will give you mm. those feelings of like connection and understanding and like not being alone in this emotion, holding space for you without actually then trauma dumping themselves back onto you of like, by the way, this is the thing that I'm dealing with, which is yeah. obviously not okay in this like professional capacity
3: no not not at all uh so uh but in this case in our heightened reality that we are dealing with in the shrinking world it does seem to work pretty well at least at this point in time because it does seem that that sean and jimmy do sort of form quite this like uh you know partnership this uh, this uh sort of shared vulnerability um, we get Sean calling Jimmy uh sort of out of the blue uh because he was shoulder checked in the street, but managed to like keep his his anger in check. Um and kind of is like both confused by it, but also is kind of quietly celebrating it in in some sort of way. Uh Jimmy much less quietly <laughs> celebrates it. <Yeah. laughs> um, but they they learn that uh or that Jimmy sort of mentions that you know his daughter has this soccer game. Um and uh sean so James is like well we should go uh and they they head off across the way leave the car parked on the side of the street go running up a hill uh and finally make their way uh to uh to alice's soccer game
2: yeah, you know, Stranger Things did it first, and we're, we're running up the hill. Um, <laughs> I uh, I haven't seen the latest season of Stranger Things. I just know that's a, a thing. Um, <laughs> I thought this was so weird that Jimmy is, like, clearly trying with his daughter. He's making her – he's got her blueberries, He's but he's not going to go to her soccer game, um, which I thought was kind of bizarre. I was like, oh, maybe it's, like, a thing – that tia like coached or something and so this is like extra hard for him to sort of confront but we didn't get any of that so i didn't understand where i was like i thought you were trying why are you suddenly not going to a soccer game and then the thing that drove me wild was they were like (laughs) it starts in 10 minutes we're not gonna make it and i'm like soccer's like three hours long like you
0: you can make it you'll you'll (laughs) you'll get there
2: also like you know not not for nothing come from a a family of soccer players. Like, I've been to a lot of soccer games in my life. The score at the end of the game is probably going to be, like, two to one, maybe. Yeah. And so, like, if you miss the first 10 minutes, you won't have missed that much of consequential soccer. Like, there's so (laughs) much time left. It's fine. None of this was necessary. This is all very strange to me that I was like, I need you to have a different reason why you cannot be 10 minutes late to this game.
3: Yeah, and like and these are like some of the things like that just didn't quite work for me in the episode either. Like, even just the 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 tension just felt so so much there to be tension, uh to be uh, you know, the like and like did we ever really think he wasn't gonna make it to the soccer game? Like, not really. Like it just felt like a, a scene that just didn't really add anything. Like we already got Sean like encouraging Jimmy and kind of that reciprocal, like to the point of like mirroring, uh the in a sense like the patient mirroring back to to the therapist here of like, okay, like let's let's solve some problems. Um, but the whole the whole like rush to the soccer field just sort of felt very much like, okay, we're just doing this because I guess. <laughs> um
2: Yeah, and I was like, that hill is so steep that it is a hundred percent faster for you to go around. I
3: don't know how yeah.
2: like what? I was so confused.
3: Like the thing that got me, it was like, they, they run like halfway down the path and then realize they need to go up the hills. Like if you knew you need to go over the hill, then why did you run like all the way down this path to get halfway along the hill instead of going on the diagonal?
2: Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I
3: don't understand this.
2: It was very uh, stupid. And like, yeah, part of me was like, okay, like Sean is, I cause there was this moment at one point where Jimmy sort of like, yeah, keep up. And I'm like, Sean is a former veteran. Like he's gonna lap you easily. Like he's <laughs> leaving Jimmy in the dust as he should, um which was fine. But it was, I was like, is this Sean sort of like helping Jimmy through a thing because Jimmy has helped him through a thing? Okay, fine. But like, I just feel like there were like better ways to do this that were a bit less question marks. Yeah, it got kind of, It's
3: another one of these things. Like kind of like the opening scene of like the episode where it's like I kind of see what they're going for, but it just doesn't quite land um doesn't quite have the the right sort of energy that that we would sort of hope or expect for um but we get to the soccer game at least uh jimmy's able to you know sort of catch alice's eye on on the field uh liz as well there uh sort of notices uh that that jimmy's sort of finally shown up um but despite the the game seeming to go pretty well uh it takes a bit of a turn as grace's husband uh who does not at all look like what i expected based on the description we got of him earlier in the episode um but he shows up uh and uh scores the first point for melissa in our uh, prediction games he punches jimmy in the face before (laughs) episode one has even ended (laughs) (laughs)
2: ding 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 yeah I uh totally forgot that that had been one of my predictions so I need to be tracking on this more closely because yeah clearly I'm in the lead
3: (laughs) yeah very decisively also uh putting out there that Gabby's gonna be like an undersung uh hero of (laughs) of the series like I feel like we're on track there uh way out in front on our predictions board but (laughs) I mean the trampoline is still coming you'll you'll make up ground the trampoline better show up I was really like, I was feeling like that's got to be like a, that's going to show up in these first, we get two episodes week one. We're going to get a trampoline something. No. Okay. I'm still waiting on the trampoline.
2: (laughs) I will say, I thought it was interesting how much of the trailer we've seen already in this first episode. I was like, Oh, okay. We've seen like every, like all of the funny bits from the trailer Mm. we've already seen. Um, And I was like, Oh, okay. That's kind of interesting to me because I do like that that we have no idea where this is going. Like there's lots of potential there. It's not going to be one of those like, okay, well we're waiting for the time that he does this or, oh, we're waiting for like we, with these two episodes, we've seen a lot of the things that sparked conversation for us last podcast.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It does really open things up for a lot of like, I don't know. <laughs> um, And I think to that point, like the, the pace of these couple episodes, much quicker than than I sort of anticipated as well. So it, it does give me hope that we could get quite a lot of character arc and growth in in these ten episodes. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 quite intense that we get uh, Jimmy t- so taken out by uh, by Grace's husband, but Sean jumps in and intervenes. And what, uh, as you sort of mentioned before, that like anything and everything can kind of set him off, and he is while he was able to avoid the shoulder check earlier, this is enough to push him over the line. And he jumps in, really goes down on uh, on Jimmy's assailant uh, and ultimately ends up arrested. Uh, and as uh, Sean and Grace's husband are being taken away, uh, we get that moment of Alice uh, and Jimmy on the field uh, where Jimmy admits sort of a part of why he's been so distant is that Alice just reminds him too much Of her mom.
2: Yeah. And I thought the casting of Tia was really good. In the sense that I was instantly like. Yeah. She really does. She really does look a lot like her mom. I can totally see why that would be really hard.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. It was was right there. There were a few things. uh, A few times like throughout the episode. When they're kind of playing around with like. Jimmy having those like flashes of memory. Where I do get like momentarily confused. (laughs) It's like. (laughs) Like like, what is Alice doing here? And it's like. Oh no wait. That's not Alice. So that's <laughs> yeah. that's, that's yeah. so yeah incredible casting um to to really make that line not just be a line but we can see what what jimmy's saying for sure and that is episode one that's our premiere
2: yeah it is and uh you know i i, I think that it's one of those things of i'm I'm glad that we had a second episode right away to dive into. Cause there were like little sparks of things I was into that I'm glad we got to see continue on.
3: I agree. It, I think it's, it's an episode that wasn't perfect. It had a couple of scenes that we were both like, I don't know that didn't really work for me, but I think episode two is certainly the stronger episode overall. And so I'm really glad that we get to roll straight into that. And uh sort of begin to explore elements of of Jimmy trying to reach out more to Alice uh, and explore some other characters into the mix.
1: We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in
0: the end, what will I become?
1: Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass.
0: Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere
1: the chumba life is for everybody so go to chumpacasino.com and play over a 100 casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumpacasino.com
0: no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details
3: let's dive in with we kind of set up where we left off with with jimmy and alice uh Jimmy kind of lurking in the dark (laughs) in this corner table, uh, somehow knowing uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula better than he knows Home Alone. Uh, Again, uh (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how you can, like, quote an obscure line from uh, from Gary Oldman's Dracula and not recognize Macaulay Culkin, but, you know, go off, Jimmy.
2: Uh Yeah, especially because he's probably supposed to be, I guess... Yeah, I don't know. It can't be, like, an age thing. He's not, like, that much older than we are in this show. I don't know. It's dumb.
3: (laughs) I don't know. It's one of those things that I'm not going to let go of anytime (laughs) Jimmy makes an obscure reference. Um, But (laughs)
2: nevertheless,
3: (laughs) uh, we're we're able to sort of set up that as we uh, head into here, uh, sort of the day after uh, this altercation on the field, uh, Jimmy has a meeting with Alice's uh, guidance counselor at school, uh, Malik. Malik. He offers uh, to do dinner with Alice, uh, but she's got Taco Tuesday with Liz, um, who's also here to pick her up and drive her off to school, Uh, you know, giving her some, like, very, like, kind advice of, like, you know, not everyone at your school is an idiot, like, you know. As we explore throughout this episode, it's, like, very, like, kind, like, motherly sort of advice Mm -hmm. um, to sort of encourage and and care for Alice uh, in a way that her father just hasn't uh, been doing for the past year. Uh, but we also see Jimmy in his own way trying to find a way to, uh, to sort of connect with Alice. It seems like he regularly calls Paul first thing in the morning to try, yeah. to, get, try to get some advice. Um, and I think to your point before about like why Jimmy isn't at the soccer game, uh, Paul kind of calls him out on like, yeah, it's really tough. You've been trying this for 10 minutes to connect with her. Like, you know... <laughs> <laughs> you need to wait. You need to give her time. You know, that's how it works with people that you love. Um really good advice <laughs> from Paul first thing in the morning to a very like unmoored Jimmy.
2: Yeah, the absolutely like emotionless like well yeah, you've been trying this for 10 minutes. No wonder. Like it just very like <laughs> uh cracked me up. I I've just been a big like so, I I think I said in the preview, like I didn't know if Harrison Ford could do this, and I I feel like he can't. Like he's making us laugh. Yeah. Um. He's got. Gosh, this bit with Alice is gonna like set me off. I'm in multiple times. I'm sure. So yeah, I'm like very on the Harrison Ford. Like um, you know, spoiler alert, everybody. Um, Harrison Ford is a good actor. Who knew?
0: <laughs> what?
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's. I mean he's like i I do really enjoy like gabby uh we're gonna meet brian this episode who cracks me up a bunch throughout the episode uh but like certainly paul like is for me at the moment like my mvp character like i am enjoying every single scene he's in and uh yeah harrison ford is is crushing both the drama and the very dry sarcastic humor um should we do that every
2: episode who's our who's our mvp's and LVPs, you know, a classic, uh, post-show recaps formula.
3: Let's do it. Let's, let's get, let's, let's crib a little bit, uh, from, uh, those who have come before us.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and, okay. So uh, for episode one, quick, before we uh, get too far before, into yeah. episode two, who's your, uh, who's your MVP of episode one? Is it Paul?
3: Look, I think what I'm going to do, cause I want to share it around a little bit. I'm going to give Gabby my, uh, uh, my mvp in episode one i think she has like uh like some really good uh like shout outs to uh you know keeping sort of jimmy in line uh but also has some great little moments uh in there and humor and like she's certainly not getting my mvp for second <laughs> for the second episode <laughs> yeah. uh so i'm gonna throw gabby uh my mvp for episode one and jimmy definitely lvp for episode one lots of bad behavior uh, right off the gate from our protagonist
2: yeah absolutely agree um jimmy's lvp he's just doing some pretty inexcusable things at this point despite the fact that we you know find out about what he's dealing with i think my mvp is alice i thought that her calling out uh, jimmy and saying like it's going to take more work just kind of that emotional gut punch right from the start i was like okay alice i see you you're gonna make me cry so uh mvp for alice in episode one uh
3: so well, i guess we'll see where we land uh, by the end of episode two uh but yeah, Jimmy is, uh, you know, still not necessarily being completely above board. Lies about where he is when uh, when Paul hears sirens through the phone. Uh, apparently, there's been a, <laughs> a a robbery at the donut <laughs> shop, and there's blood or jelly everywhere. Um, but he he's there to pick up Sean from the police station, um, and reveals that he that while Sean needs a lawyer, uh, Jimmy can help out. Uh, but he means he's going to have to get in touch with the person he's been actively avoiding, uh, his best friend, Brian. Yeah. Uh, First of all, yes.
2: the police uh, releasing two people who were part of an assault crime at exactly the same time. Like, I have questions. I This yeah. seems like yeah, this should not be standard practice.
1: <laughs> Hold
3: <laughs> one of just them like- back. Like this, the world of shrinking is just a world of people just not doing their jobs right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. uh, It's across the board.
2: You know, it turns out, um, I think Alice is a good soccer player and like everyone else is, is terrible at what they do.
3: Yeah. (laughs) It's just a mess all the way down. Um, but yeah, Jimmy gives his, his best friend, Brian, who we briefly saw in the first episode, uh, a call. And Brian is, is shocked, uh, as we later learn, has been pretty much ghosted by Jimmy during this year uh, after the loss of Tia. Uh, Jimmy kind of just shouts into the phone, uh, Hi, Brian! <laughs> and we <laughs> yeah. get, like, our first sort of real beats of uh, of Brian's uh, sort of humor and very, like, uh, relaxed, happy-go-lucky response uh, here. Um but we get more banter with Jimmy and Gabby. Uh, and, uh, and Paul, this is sort of the scene that we were talking about earlier with like the small tables. And like, do you have a, a TV? Is it like one of those big old ones? Yeah. Uh, you know, as, as Paul... Yeah, sort of establishes like he's got boundaries like he's pro boundaries he's there for his patients but not his very needy co-workers um and this this scene was was just great top to bottom
2: i I thought it was so funny where he's like i'm not antisocial and they're like that's actually the definition of antisocial um (laughs) which uh I will say, do you have a slightly quip with? Because the psychological definition of like antisocial personality disorder is not just like not having people over to your, hu- to your house. But I do get what they are saying is that you are not socializing. Uh, you are unsocial, I guess. Um, <laughs> but I was a bit like, you know, let's not throw around actual words with meanings with people who would know those actual meanings. But okay. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess uh, we we do know for from someone who also doesn't know how to pronounce memoir. Uh, <laughs> perhaps yep. uh, perhaps they aren't up to date on their word power. Um,
2: yeah,
1: like
3: I, said, uh, I thought this was great.
2: That we're uh, it's important to call out the Paul's. Like people don't come to my house. Like they've never mm. been to his house. Uh, we will see that fall apart very quickly.
3: Yeah, we also see. A, we also hear that he has a daughter who lives in Connecticut, um, but he is keeping mum about uh not getting too specific about the relationship there uh and it seems to some degree like that's the first that uh you know a significant bit of information for for jimmy and gabby that she lives in connecticut it's like she's here in the room um (laughs) 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 uh, so indeed we kind of get then like a bunch of little scenes of uh, of jimmy continuing to help out his patients uh we get a call that he has with with grace who's uh uh, still so staying with her sister. Uh, he's very actively trying to keep his his shiner out of the camera lens. Uh, I mean, you could just tell her you fell on a small t- side table because of your non-grippy shoes. Uh, yeah, but exactly. it makes for humor, <laughs> sure.
2: Yeah, sure. and he's like about to have a whole... A bunch of in-person appointments. So like he can't I was expecting I was half expecting to switch to the seat and he's like holding a piece of paper up in front of his face or like yeah. various ways to like hide half of his face from his patients. But no, we very quickly give up on that. It's fine.
3: Yeah. Like I the the one thing was like, okay, I can maybe kind of get why he's so like concerned with Grace. Like it is her husband that did <laughs> give him that shiner. So like that is true. I hadn't thought that about that. Like...
2: That is actually very true. Never mind.
3: <laughs> yeah. Just like avoiding any potential to get into that mess um but yeah yeah, we get the scene that we sort of we kind of mentioned it before a little bit with dan uh the guy who just hates his barista and hates everyone um and uh you know jimmy continuing to kind of drag people out of his office to go on uh little excursions uh drags him to to the coffee shop to try to like get him to to realize like it's okay if someone asks you how your day is it's not the end of the world yeah (laughs) um and look like I mean, I feel like going and getting a coffee and standing in line talking at a coffee shop is, is much less egregious than dragging someone to an MMA MMI, uh, ring. Uh, yeah, but- it's
2: a bit of like exposure therapy in the sense mm. of just like, you know, small talk of exposure of like, it's okay to like make bits of conversation. People, you know, if they do, if they ask how your day is going, they are like, you know it's it's always one of those things we're like no they're not looking for you to be like actually it really sucks and here's a list of my problems but they are sort of like looking for some sort of base metric response it's okay to to say like oh you know it's been a bit slow but it's picking up like i think is basically what he says right mm-hmm. um my one thing oat milk is great we don't need to hate <laughs> on oat milk oat milk is great it's it's good for the environment or something you know mm-hmm. it's better for the environment than than dairy milk and um, you know, uses less water than almond milk. So, you know, it's, it's not that bad.
3: So I think what I'm hearing you say is that you are not standing Stan and Dan's uh, oat milk. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, if here, my coffee shop
2: was out of oat milk, I certainly would not get mad at the barista. And I'm sure that uh, Stan has probably had a very trying morning of people who got upset that they couldn't get their oat milk. But, you know, it's, let's not, let's not, you know, be mad at the people, not the oat milk. <laughs> yeah. Also,
3: two for two on episodes with oats uh, playing a major
2: <laughs> role. <I here>. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, Interesting.
3: Uh, amazing. Uh, but we then kind of put jimmy on the other side of the the table as he then has to rush out uh, of his appointment with dan uh to his own appointment as he's a little late for the counselor meeting uh with malik the guidance counselor and liz is already there and we begin to kind of set up uh, another point of, of narrative here uh with liz and her role in this whole dynamic as uh jimmy kind of like remember some things, uh, especially uh, things that happened before <laughs> Tia's mm-hmm. death, um, that Alice had particular colleges she was interested in attending. But Liz kind of needs to fill in a lot of the other details about what's been happening recently. Um, and it's pretty clear, uh, and that Jimmy certainly feels it as well, that like he's kind of getting shown up a little bit by, by his neighbor. And it's, look, it's understandable, but also Jimmy, you know, She's your daughter and you've ignored her for a year. So, like, let's keep it in check. But it, it does set up an interesting dynamic of where these characters' journeys are going to be going.
2: Yeah, it's clearly one of those things where, like, Liz is dealing with some of her own things. We're going to get kind of some understanding later that she's an empty nester, that her sons have left. So she, now she's sort of focused that in on... Alice and, and, you know, this loss of identity that comes with all of that, I, I have a feeling we're going to explore and that'll be interesting. But it is also one of those things where, like, dude, you haven't done anything for your daughter in a year and she needed somebody. And you should be grateful that Liz has stepped in and is and knows the answers to these questions because, you know, you don't. And that's bad of you. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. I think, it, you know, it's definitely one of those where... It'll be interesting to – Liz has clearly gotten a lot of benefit out of being able to step in for Alice and, you know, experienced a lot of, um, you know, really helping her and kind of this transitional period in her life and her learning to let go as Alice goes back to spending more time with her dad will be a challenge for her that we will, I assume, see her handle. But, yeah, Jimmy, you don't get to be like – how dare she uh, show up at this meeting when I clearly have missed the last three and Liz had to fill in for me. Like,
3: Yeah. Like it's, you know, like there's a little bit of like some passive aggression from the guidance counselor about the number of meetings that Jimmy has missed and like that sort of thing as well. So it's like, like everyone's messy (laughs) no 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 one's doing dealing with their their personal relationships in the
2: best way possible no one does their job well in this show i think that that is a (laughs) good standard even the barista guy who's all like hating on oat milk like come on i know (laughs)
3: wow Uh, i i think uh instant mvp for anyone who actually does their job well uh in, in this show um uh but yeah we we kind of I guess maybe like let's sort of continue along this like Liz story because we kind of have like a few sort of branching arcs through the rest of this episode and maybe we can kind of just talk about them individually but we get this uh sort of line of of uh inquiry with with Liz with her sort of dealing with being an empty nester uh Jimmy goes back to the the break room complains about this situation and Gabby is really pumped up about this really worked up about it and uh you know, kind of jumps in pretty harshly, and it's like Liz needs to back off, like she needs to like, give you space, uh, you know, because she's not the mama, you the mama. <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> to me, this is uh, this was a dinosaurs reference waiting to happen. I was so surprised. I, I can't believe we didn't get a not the mama, yeah. um, so, it yeah. was right there. But yeah. I guess, like,
3: I mean, like, if it's like again, it's like if Jimmy, like. You know doesn't know home alone but knows a bunch of other obscure things like he should know this line
2: <laughs> yeah i know and it was always like they kept like dancing around it they were so close like you the mom, and i was like just say just say not, not the mama not the mama yeah
0: it's right there
3: uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh but i think it's really interesting like we we see like by comparison like jimmy's like arced up and they're like but it's in like just venting mode but gabby really latches onto this to the point where she goes to Liz's house and, like, with the barest pretense of bringing over a basketball, yeah. <laughs> like, just straight up confronts Liz in, like, a, like, just no, like, it's it's just out of line right across the board, the way that Gabby confronts Liz, tells her to back off, like, trying to sort of dance around it of, like, look, you know, if, you you know, We just need to back off. The more that you're there, the less the Jimmy can be. And it's so out of line, especially when we learn that Gabby is Liz's godmother and it's also not been helping with this circumstance at all.
2: Yeah. I, yeah, I'm really thinking that like this line that we're going to get from Paul of no one gets through this life unscathed is going Mm -hmm. to be a bit of a thesis for this show. And I think it's going to be one of those things where Every single character we meet is going to have some core wounding that we will see being expressed in this show. And I wonder if Gabby's inability to step up in this moment at a time that, like, this is literally the job of a godmother is like one of the parents has died and she's supposed to fill in. This is her time. And she has fallen short of that obligation. And whatever the reason is for why, I bet we will learn it. And I bet it is going to be a thing that Gabby is gap- is grappling with right now of, like, the fact that she didn't step up for Allison this time. And she is clearly projecting that to Liz and saying, like, no, you're the one doing it wrong because you're being overbearing. You should have been chill and let him figure it out on his own like I did. And it's like, no, like, Liz Liz is the only one that's, like, stepped up for this kid. and And sure, does Liz need to back off now? Absolutely. And, like, may she struggle to do that? Remains to be seen, but I wouldn't be surprised. But, like, up until this point, I don't think Liz has done anything wrong.
3: No. Uh, I, like, it, it's tough because, like, I, I think Paul will get my my MVP for this episode. But Liz is a very close second here. Because, like, Liz is doing, like, phenomenal, phenomenal work here. Uh, no one else can do their job, but Liz can. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, Liz and can. she's not getting paid for it. <laughs>
2: I was going to say, I actually think that that's kind of lovely is, yeah, Yeah. this, like, again, another seeming thesis of this show is, like, everybody sucks at their job to some degree. And it's this line of, like, oh, she's such a mom thing Mm -hmm. of, like, this is clearly a huge part of, for Liz, it's not, you know, and for many of us, like, our jobs are not just our jobs, they're a big part of our identity. And so what happens when that identity of yours is somewhat untethered. You know, she doesn't stop being a mom, but she, her kids have moved out. She's not, it's not filling her time anymore. And so what does she do now as her identity is being forced to shift as it could be if you, you know, sort of lose your job and uh, I don't know, graduate from post-secondary school and are no longer a student anymore and have to deal with that (laughs) identity shift, right? Like these identity shifts that we have in life can be really hard. And so- um i i think that it's interesting i i think that this is a continual thing that we will see that like no one is great at their jobs uh it's like maybe mm-hmm. also a bit of a theme that extends to liz as well despite the fact that she is doing the incredible amount of unpaid labor that is motherhood
3: indeed like and and like to that point like as well like obviously like she is like you know pushing a little bit more we kind of get like that beat later the the note we leave the episode on with Liz is when Alice does come over and bail out of Taco Tuesday because she's decided that she is going to try to to reach out to Jimmy. Um, and we get like this really like sad beat of Liz, like having already kind of, uh, you know, told her husband, to like, go off and do his thing because, uh, you know, Derek doesn't want to hang around with the kid that isn't his kid. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Liz is kind of left alone with this, like, beautiful spread, uh, you know, these, like, freshly tumbled rocks laid out on the napkins, yeah. like, big plate, and, like, she's alone in this space. And it's, it's very sad <laughs> in that space. And we can understand really easily and quickly, like, why that it while she's not getting paid for this job she is getting that emotional payment that like that space of being able to do a little bit easier with the fact that all of her kids are gone by having someone else that she can look after that she can mother that she can give advice to that she can like be excited about what they're doing at school what their extracurriculars are what their path towards college is um and in, but in this moment none of that is around her and it's certainly something that I feel like we are going to be exploring in great depth coming forward. Yeah. Uh, I was
2: proud of her though, because it was, there was no like guilt. There was no mm-hmm. like, Oh, are you sure? Like I have whatever she, she like played it off. Like, Oh yeah, no problem. Like go. And like, she had clearly gone to a lot of effort, but you know, she wanted Alice to be able to reconnect with her dad. And, and so she's like so far doing everything right.
3: Yep. 100%, 100%. Uh, so I think it will be a really interesting path to follow because it's also worth knowing, like, you know, uh, while it's very clear, like, Gabby and Liz don't have, like, a close relationship, it's obviously not completely unfamiliar. Um, like, so these central characters that we have, like, like you were saying before, like, we're kind of getting a sense of, like, how much they know each other, what are the degrees of relationships, uh, and, like, Really interestingly, we kind of spotted it in the trailer and weren't quite sure what the dynamic was going to be there. But speaking of like unexpected relationships, Paul and Alice have like a kind of apparently like unknown to everyone else, like very close dynamic as he is offering his own degree of support and guidance to this young girl who has lost her mother. Uh, And we kind of get our first real sense of that on that park bench scene where he says that line about not getting through this life unscathed.
2: Yeah, this dynamic is going to be my favorite in the whole show, I think. Uh, just, gosh, like, if if you're going to tug on Melissa's heartstrings a few different ways, like, uh, pseudo-fathers that aren't your actual father is going to be <laughs> the fastest way to do that. Um, and I just thought it was so sweet that he's, like, clearly sort of giving her therapy, but I, you know, the bond certainly seems like he's probably known Alice her entire life. Like I certainly seem to get the sense that, you know, Paul and Jimmy clearly know each other super well. Um, and so probably he has known Alice for a really long time and he is like being there and this is clearly something that this is not the first time that they've done this. And, uh, yeah, I thought it was just, um, just this really beautiful dynamic of, you know, like him talking about, you can't let your grief drown you. You have to face it and come through the other side. Um, And she says, nobody gets it. And he's like, I know someone who does. And, you know, he's just clearly like listening and understanding, but trying to push her a little bit in just this really lovely way. And so it's one of those where I'm like, Jimmy's relationships with his patients are not at all, a healthy therapeutic relationship. This one maybe, maybe is more that. And you know, I still, you know, don't eat Nashville hot sandwiches at my therapist's house. Like it's clearly more than just that. But there is kind of a healthy aspect of that guiding you through your emotions as you deal with them, kind of thing happening here.
3: Yeah, it's a really like touching sort of dynamic here because it, you know. It is, like, there is, like, an element of it that does feel, like, a little, like, oh you know, that it's not something that, that Jimmy knows about. But there's value in having spaces that are private and that are yours. It's just complicated because it's, like, it's also your dad's boss. Like, you're going mm-hmm. to his house, like, on your own. Like, it's, like, there's some, like, there's some weird stuff in there that, uh, you know, hopefully they deal with it all very well uh, in the scheme of things. But I do really love the heart of that relationship and that dynamic that, you know, again, it's nice to have like a reassurance that like, it's not like Alice only has Liz either. Like she does have like another supportive person uh, who is kind of this like, you know, again, like a pseudo father figure, because if we kind of think about it, like Alice lost her mother to to death, but lost her father to grief uh, for a year. And so she's found these two people that can kind of help her in some way to have a semblance of a path forward but uh, it's going to be challenging and I'm sure this will be uh, a point we kind of get it mentioned a few times that like that Jimmy doesn't know about this and that Paul doesn't want Jimmy to know about it because he's a private person he doesn't want Jimmy to make a big deal about it at least it seems like it's framed as something that will be a positive if Jimmy finds out despite perhaps you know a little bit of hurt uh, but nonetheless i'm sure it will still be a point of conflict if jimmy learns that alice has been you know finding another outlet that again isn't him um and where that kind of goes how that influences his relationship with with paul who again is like pretty direct to jimmy of like look just keep in mind like the most important person in your life is not me i'm second but it's your daughter (laughs) like you need to prioritize her um you know you can't let everything that's happening in your professional life uh, you know speaking about the the altercation on the soccer field like you can't let that bleed into your personal life or you will spook away the people closest to you and again notably he says speaking from experience yeah uh, that was obviously very very notable line there yeah
2: yeah and I I I do think it's helpful that like Paul's whole thing is like don't tell your dad because he will want to hug me like it's one of those things where like clearly (laughs) Jimmy would be support. It's not that they think Jimmy wouldn't be supportive. It's anything they think he would be too supportive and they like, don't want that, which I thought was (laughs) interesting. Um, We like, once again, get a reference to Paul's Parkinson's as well uh, Mm -hmm. with the shaky hand thing, which I think just is going to be something for us to track um, throughout this episode. And yeah, like for me, just again, this idea and this theme around, Like, found family and like the people who step up for you when your actual like blood relations choose or cannot do so. And like, the you know, it's something that has been such a like moving part of my life when it's like, oh, this person like didn't have to help me in this moment. And like, they chose to do so because of. The relationship that we have that is not one out of any sort of familial obligation but one through kind of mutual care and respect developed over time you know like like we play D&D we love a found family narrative mm-hmm. and it's just yeah. like we're seeing bits of that in here with kind of both Liz and Paul and I'm just like big fans of seeing these two adults who step up for Alice and form that community around her so that gosh I was talking about this on a different podcast earlier today like the um side rant about capitalism because it's a psr podcast but like the nuclear (laughs) family is a capitalist design because it requires us to spend more money if you have fewer people that have to do it all they have to buy a bunch of stuff in order to be able to do it and it takes us away from this idea of like forming community and depending on whether it's grandparents or neighbors or whatever like the more That we can create, like dissolve those barriers between people and and take on less of that. I need to do absolutely everything for myself as opposed to like, here's my capacity and what I can do for other people within that and what other people can do for me with their capacity. And like the more that we can strengthen those bonds and, and allow ourselves to really like given that way, it was like, gosh, the pandemic was so awful, but like the amount of times the sort of like barter like system that popped up in my neighborhood in terms of like friends of mine who were like, I made extra bread. Do you want bread? And like <laughs> be like, oh, great. I'll take your bread. But also like I have extra whatever. Do you want some of it? Like it's just a lot of that that popped up. Mm-hmm. And so that sort of sense of community that was forged out of that. I- I'm just such a huge fan of exploring these ideas around where you find community how you build that with each other and then the ways that it can make up for other life difficulties and like who steps up in those moments when you when you really need them to
1: yeah yeah
3: it's a it's a beautiful notion and it certainly seems like it's something that is going to be pretty critical to the way that this story is is sort of building out that it is that you need other people and sometimes people that you don't expect uh, and in ways that you don't expect to be important and helpful to kind of help you through whatever trials you're, you're working through because everyone's working through their own stuff. So you can't do it yourself. You can't have someone else do it for you, but you've got to work together towards that. Uh, so yeah. and And we kind of get the sort of the last beat of this particular sort of element of of alice's sort of story through this episode is that she does on this advice of uh from paul is decides okay i'm gonna take my dad up on his offer to have dinner tonight i'm gonna go grab the sandwiches and she comes over to uh to to have dinner but uh as we'll talk about in a moment jimmy's kind of on his own sort of different trajectory of connecting with someone that he needs to resolve uh, some some bad blood with or or at least some uh, long-dried and like non uh, non-interactive space uh, over the last year uh with a relationship and so Alice takes those sandwiches instead to to Paul's um, and sort of how I thought she of was going to go
2: to the bridge I was so happy that that was not the way we were going to go yes, I was like no yes. I don't want Alice being this like bad kid because her dad wasn't there I don't,
3: yeah, like I, I did really like the way that they did sort of set that up and subverted it. That she like, you know, gets the invitation from from the other uh, the other girl in the in the change room. It's like, come you know, to the, you know, come have some drinks at the bridge. She sees the message on her phone again, uh, sort of prompting her after the sandwiches, but instead decides to actually seek out people that care about her. Uh and uh sort of goes over, notably, to Paul's house. And mm. discovers if he has small little tables or a deep uh, old TV uh, and also is very intrigued by other old things in, in Paul's house as she kind of rifles through like photo albums and uh, tries to get a little bit of a bead on Paul. And we get a clear sense that while there is a clear connection between them, he still is keeping up those boundaries. He's still keeping yeah. up that fortress of solitude around himself um, to uh, to kind of protect himself in that space. Uh, so interesting very uh like wonderful little dynamic here and i'm 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 intrigued to see where it goes i think it's worth noting like to to our point earlier like that alice like doesn't really like represent the circumstances of her interaction with jimmy to paul she kind of like avoids the fact like she didn't actually tell jimmy Mm -hmm. the truth about what she was doing there she kind of just backed off when it was clear he was doing something else but then still feels like left behind because he didn't you know interpret the situation the way that she was seeing things and there's just so much like the small tragedy of miscommunication in like the last part (laughs) of this episode of like where it's like just like if just jimmy was just a little bit more like intuitive or if alice was just a little bit more honest like they could have had an opportunity to connect there but instead it adds more like tension to it because now alice is like unhappy with how that all went her attempt to reach out was sort of met with to her perspective indifference uh and then to top it all off she comes home up to polls and finds like some random guy in her house that (laughs) jimmy is looking after uh and when she is right there trying to be like wanting to be looked after and wanting to reconnect and he's off helping someone else um which i think is surely going to be a a factor that we're going to play in with uh, anything else you want to talk about with Alice, or do we want to jump to sort of our last storyline with with Yeah, Jimmy and
2: last Brian. bit
3: with Brian? Yeah, with Brian, who uh, like delightful, delightful <laughs> character in so many ways. Uh, both in like performance in the writing, uh, like everything does go Brian's way. Um, as we're we're sort of introduced to the very sunny, very bright uh character of of Jimmy's best friend who. But firstly, uh, completely lies about what kind of law he does uh, to, to kind of get Sean off the hook uh, and uh, emerges shouting with glee that he's Atticus Finch, he's Juliana Margulies, he's Elle Woods. Yeah, uh, the Elle
2: Woods <laughs> was being the especially exciting part for him. I was like, <laughs> yeah, this is great. I'm, I'm a huge fan of this guy.
3: Uh, but, uh, you know, very clearly set up right from the start that, that Brian and Jimmy have not seen each other basically in a year um, and that it's been just a completely abandoned relationship Add uh, added to the pile for Jimmy and that Brian, while he's willing to help Jimmy out here and uh, invites him to pickleball. Uh, the fastest growing sport in America, as we are told a few times in this yeah, episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, as we also know from our uh, from across the way over uh, with Tyson's uh, interest yeah. in such things. Uh, but we uh, sort of see a little bit of how Brian is trying to sort of reach out to Jimmy, but Jimmy's still a little bit reluctant. Uh, you know, Brian offers like it'll be like the old days if we go and go and play some pickleball and very resigned <laughs> Jimmy's replies like I know uh, and you can kind of feel the weight of that those two words like very heavily in sort of the subtext of, of that relationship here
2: yeah it's interesting I this dynamic is going to be one uh, they just seem like people on two like very different beats and I think that that's kind of the whole point but it'll be interesting to be like wait so these people are best friends like I don't I don't know if I see that just yet so uh, you know we'll see where it goes
3: it's it's interesting because like you know we do see a lot of like little like sparks of like goofy Jimmy and like sort of the very like relaxed sort of silly Jimmy that we I, I could very much imagine like being like pretty close with someone like Brian but with all of the weight of grief that kind of like clouds over that. At the very least, at this point in time, they are in entirely different places. Um, and thankfully, Jimmy does decide after uh, sort of thinking it over that he does decide to uh, to go try pickleball uh, because brian barges into his office in the middle of one of his appointments um again people doing not great things as uh this is the scene where where jimmy is like talking to the woman who's struggling with the compulsions um and brian just storms in Uh, says he's gonna pay for for a session he'll he'll get her venmo um but sort of confronts jimmy of like i need you to know that like you are being rude you are being like this is you can't just show up out of nowhere. Ask me a favor, and then just pretend like it's nothing. Like, you are coming to pickleball. We are going to deal with this because this is not okay. Uh, and storms out.
2: Yeah the the storming in the middle of the therapy is like this couldn't have waited like this is, this is ridiculous. Um, I did sort of want to shout out a couple things. We've gotten uh, there was a shout out to Carl Young in the first. Mm. episode there was a quote um which i thought was neat because um carl Jung is one of like the founding fathers of psychoanalysis is like a, a psychological theory like kind of up there with freud in terms of this idea um young Jungian psychology often revolves around things like archetypes so looking at kind of this stereotyped pattern of behavior um And a lot of around like psychology and stuff like that, which I thought was interesting. And then in this scene, we get the shout out to magical thinking, which I was instantly Mm. like, oh, that's a psychology term. That's cool. And so it's this idea that like, oh, the world is uncontrollable. And therefore, if I do these things, I might gain some sort of control because of some like magical connection that there is. This sort of like making these leaps in logic of like, oh, these two things, every time I make sure to lock my door six times, I make my bus. And if I don't lock my door six times, uh, then, you know, something bad will happen. And I like, won't make it to work on time. You know, this is obviously like a very mundane example. The the catastrophizing of the outcome is usually much bigger than that, but. um,
3: (laughs) I don't know, missing my bus is pretty bad.
2: Yeah, (laughs) 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 that was like a terrible example that I gave. That is like, whatever, read more about magical thinking if you want, but. I just thought it was interesting that there, we are getting like, it, it was something that I sort of joked as I was like, Oh, I'll be interested to see if we get any sort of psychological theory or whatever. And I was like, Oh, we've like gotten the tiniest bits in both these episodes, like a reference to like a very famous psychologist. this like psychological term. And so I was like, okay, maybe we'll keep getting these like sprinklings of actual psychological theory and vocabulary in this show. Uh, despite them often using words, um, they like throw word the word um like crazy and there was another did they use the word psycho. Uh, they refer to
3: time? uh well Alice refers to uh dad's psycho patient, uh when she's talking to Paul Yeah, kind of which I guess if happened. it's
2: Alice saying it, like, okay, fine. It's you know, it's not good. We shouldn't, you know, use um words like that, but it was one of those like okay, fine. Um, but yeah, so that was interesting that I was like, Oh magical thinking, that's fun. I, I know what that is. <laughs>
3: Yay! I I am really intrigued to see like how uh the patients, uh like Jimmy's patients like are utilized uh mm-hmm. as like our are, are is this sort of like other group of characters like uh like our, our Joy Boy Steven, like our barista guy Dan, like our, our compulsion uh uh woman here, as well as like uh the uh the superficial guy, like how are they utilized to like uh, amplify uh, like elements of the story. Like it feels like they're going to be here to be like little little beats that we can use to kind of thematically hint towards what we're dealing with in uh you know in these in these episodes or with Jimmy's uh, development with others uh, sort of journeys along the way. So I think the fact that we do get this call out to magical thinking is maybe something to keep an eye on. Like is that something that we are going to explore in some way uh, with with our characters uh, or is it just a nice little. Little shout out for those who who know a little bit more <laughs> yeah. about such things than I do. Uh, but yeah, but Brian but Brian challenges uh, Jimmy here and is like, "Don't just like drink whiskey alone in your Santa mug," um, which Jimmy ends up doing later, and yeah. that's kind of what inspires yeah. him to to kind of put on put on the gym shorts uh, and go out to the pickleball court. Yeah, we are, uh,
2: we uh... are like kind of at the same time going to see Sean is getting kicked out of his house because his parents find out that he got into yet another fight. And so this is the impetus for why he eventually ends up at Jimmy's at the end of um, the episode, which is kind of a bit of a heartbreaking, but very quiet kind of background bit of story that we're getting in this episode as well.
3: Yeah. Yeah. These like, I I am really intrigued by the choice um, that Sean does appear to be like a bigger part of this story than just a patient or just Jimmy's first like big breakthrough patient that, you know, he's literally crashing at Jimmy's. Um, So he is very much present in the story where following his, his journey, uh, like, you know, in his own space, you know, uh, none of the yeah, other patients. Yeah, talk about lack seen... of
2: boundaries, yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. None of the other uh, patients we've seen, like, outside of their interactions with Jimmy, but Sean, we've, like, seen him, like, you know, where he was shoulder-checked on the street. We're seeing this scene in his home where he's getting kicked out uh, because, you know, him ending up in in spending the night in jail, like, is not, uh, you know, good for his little brother, Graham. Uh, it's, it's heartbreaking, these, like, these things that are very... Like more common than we wish they were in in the world, but uh, you know, just add to the kinds of trauma and and difficulty that someone like Sean is dealing with, um, that he doesn't have a safe haven, uh, but he manages to find that at Jimmy's, um, as Jimmy and Brian themselves are trying to figure out: is there a safe haven here for their relationship uh, going transition.
0: forward?
3: Nice. I, I mean, time. sometimes I manage. make them work uh uh but they're they're enjoying their pickleball and eventually just brian turns to jimmy and just like are we ever gonna talk for real and jimmy like to a degree uh like somewhat fairly just like not tonight but brian that's just not enough for him uh storms off and we then have uh what i think is a really wonderful scene uh Mm -hmm. between brian and jimmy here uh what do you think about the sort of the resolution of brian and jimmy's story through through this episode
2: I thought it was really interesting because I do think that it's, um, you know, this beautiful idea that he says, like, you wouldn't let me be miserable. Like, it's not fun to be around someone when everything goes their way, when your life is not going your way. And like, that. I can totally see that like kind of toxic positivity that Brian has being a really hard thing to deal with when you are deep in your grief. And I will still hold that I think the thesis of this show is going to be no one gets through life unscathed. Mm -hmm. And we just haven't seen what Brian's uh, situation is yet. But I I bet you we will.
3: I I 100% agree. Like, uh, Like, Brian's, like, that degree of positivity, like, is a lot. And there is surely, like, things that Brian is dealing with that contribute. Like, this is perhaps part of his coping mechanism is to just take everything with this, like, enthusiastic, unbridled positivity. Um, But even if it's not, there is clearly difficulty, like, the effect of Tia's death and Jimmy's, like, subsequent grief has harmed Brian. Like, this, like, sense of, like, losing his best friend for a year and he has no reason, like, no understanding of why because it wasn't even that Jimmy, like... Withdrew with some degree of like, look, I just need space. We get the sense that it's just like Jimmy just stops like interacting with Brian, completely cuts him off. Like in the previous episode, he's hiding from Brian because he just doesn't want to interact with him. And like that's a lot to deal with uh, for someone, even someone that is very positive and bright. Because even though he says everything goes his way, surely that's not reality. We know it's not reality because he just got really upset at Jimmy, like taking a big step in coming to pickleball but just being like can we not talk about stuff tonight like which look i get it from brian's perspective i also get it from jimmy's So, like sometimes you just need a space to just like have a degree of like normal or a degree of something that feels like a sliver of what things used to be like which is what jimmy promised uh, what brian promised when he initially invited in pickleball be just like the old days so jimmy comes just like the old days. And then it's like, why haven't you been talking to me for a year? Like, that's not like the old days. But at the same time, Brian needs his needs met too. And Jimmy hasn't been a good friend. So it's really complicated. It's really messy. But I really love that we get this on the table, this beat of that Brian's positivity is just a little bit too much. And like we even see, like after Jimmy kind of defaults, it's like, it's hard to be around someone that's everything goes your way when your wife has died and brian's response after a beat of kind of sitting with is like well i never said everything goes your way
2: yeah it was (laughs) was kind of funny in like a gallows humor type of thing yeah (laughs) it's a very good point
3: yeah like it it cracked me up in that sort of way of like you know you could see like jimmy just being like like even though he sort of responded with that like oh my god like you he laughed like he kind of saw the humor in it but like you could see, see that Brian got it too, that it wasn't him being oblivious um, or being a jokester. It is just humor and brightness is his way um, of like, and of showing affection too. And like, they, they, they part on like very, like, you know, seemingly good terms, even though there's still healing that needs to be done for that relationship. I I just want to like shout out. I really love that, like, uh, that we see, you know, Two, uh, two men like saying that they love each other and like a small kiss on the head as they like part as just like you're yeah. friends like love to see that
1: <laughs> yeah for sure um,
3: and uh you know I- I'm really intrigued to see where this this Brian and Jimmy like story will go where Brian's story will go uh, because I really loved this like introduction to the character
2: yeah for sure um yeah and yeah Jason Segel of I love you man fame right like yeah I'm... indeed Tell your friends you love them <laughs>
3: <laughs> all the time. Uh, the the one thing I will like say like that that maybe didn't work quite as well for me here was like I do wonder if this like particular conversation is just a little bit early. It, mm-hmm. I think this is maybe what some of the feedback that we were getting at uh, or we were hearing from earlier of like where it kind of feels like some of these scenes feel a little too early in our mm-hmm. story to land the way they would. Like if we'd had the pickleball scene and it kind of goes well. Maybe we get a bit of a sense that like there's still tension there. And this scene comes like a couple episodes down the line where we kind of have a bit more of a sense of Brian uh, where we have a bit more of a sense of Brian and Jimmy's relationship and what it was, what it's trying to become, but it's not quite getting there. And it's because Jimmy hasn't yet found the way to express why he can't quite connect with Brian. It might've hit a bit harder for me or like with a bit more like punch or impact, but like we so said, we've pretty much seen like everything from the trailer already. There's a lot of story left to go. We're only a fifth of the way through. So I'm hopeful that getting this on the table now means that there is some really interesting space we can explore going forward. And I reckon to your point, I think it's really insightful that not everyone gets through life unscathed. There's got to be stuff we're going to de- dig into with Brian.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. I think you're right that I think some of the like a bit of a quip of this show is the the pa- the pacing is just very fast and it's it's interesting i feel like so often the issue is the opposite is where i'm like mm. where is this going what is happening <laughs> like let's let's pick it up um but this is one where it is a bit like okay and now this is happening and now this is happening and and okay like these characters relationships are falling apart and getting back together in what feels like the span of of an instant and it's um you know some of it i think i can excuse because we're clearly not seeing all of this history but i do think you're right that it like a bit more of a gradual like reconciliation in this instance i think would have paid off bigger for sure and you know maybe it's that there's other stuff to explore with this relationship and they sort of wanted it. it's like okay back together that's not the issue moving forward there will be some other dynamic that we're interested in. But it is one of those things where maybe the streaming model is like not doing a great service to the show that could have used like 16 episodes instead of a like <laughs> tight package of 10 maybe. and they're like yeah. cramming everything in. And you know, they're not sure if they're going to get an extra season. So they're trying to tell the whole story in one season. And uh, you know, fingers crossed that if this continues to be a bit of an issue with the show, that it does a good enough job that you know maybe it's one of those shows that then gets renewed for like two more seasons and then it's like okay now you have 20 episodes you can tell the next bit of the story and you can calm down a little bit shrinking like take a breath it's okay
1: yeah (laughs) yeah
3: you can expand to fill the space a little bit more um so uh but that pretty much is our episode uh you know uh, we mentioned before we got we got the stinger of, of Alice coming home and and seeing uh, Sean and uh, Sean at Jimmy's. Um, but that is where we end up uh, at the end of our uh, our first two episodes.
2: Yeah. So MVP and LVP for the episode. Is it Paul for you? Because it's definitely Paul for me.
3: Yeah, I think like a part of me really wants to give it to Liz uh, because I feel like there is just so much good that she is doing here um and what she's offering and is kind of felt a bit like stomped on by the other characters yeah. unfairly in this episode um so i think she gets like my uh, you know my honorable mention but i gotta give it to paul paul has just been such a like a, a great character through these first couple episodes that i gotta make sure uh he gets a big jump up on on those rankings but uh what about your lvp
2: like, I think it has to go to Gabby. I think, like, I, I, like, I don't think I want to give it to someone like um, Grace's ex-husband who, you know, is, like, threatening to sue. Like, what I, I don't know. That's just, like, yeah. such a minor yeah. character. I want to, like, try yeah. to focus these on our, like, core group. And, yeah, unfortunately, I think it's Gabby this episode. She's just, like, clearly hiding some of her own... Issues in going after Liz and and I bet you we're gonna find out what those are and really feel for her. Uh I wouldn't be surprised, but as it stands currently, it's like Gabby, girl, not cool.
3: Yeah, uh I'm I'm right there with you. Uh mean you know, while I loved Gabby's uh sort of role in, in the first episode and I love her banter with Jimmy even in this episode. The scene with Liz is just—it's brutal in uh, in a, in a lot of really unfair ways. Um, so, I agree. I, I'd like to keep—I like the idea of keeping our sort of MVPs, LVPs to our kind of core cast um, because you know let's keep it small. Let's keep it, focused. We're dealing with the the trauma and difficulties, the ups and downs, uh, you know, the rises and falls, uh, the jumps and drops on a trampoline. Uh, so <laughs> let's sort of see how people uh, people move through this uh, through this leaderboard.
2: yeah yeah (laughs) there it is it's coming back we're not letting it go (laughs) folks (laughs) so good
3: i i i'm certainly not letting it go until we get a trampoline and then even more so it'll probably just give me more to work with
2: yeah it's excellent i love it um so yeah that's our summary of the episodes we've got a little bit of feedback from the patrons of post show recaps in the discord so again if you want to um join the discord and talk to us about this show. Uh, you can do that at any level of the Patreon, but, um, we talked to a few, uh, people, there was kind of a bit of chatter and then I went in after the fact where I was like, let me know if you want me to talk about it on the podcast." So, um, you know, hopefully we'll get more, um, Next time, but you know, people f- just feel free to tag me if you're talking about it and you want us to bring it up on the podcast. So um, our friend Fitzy uh was one of the first peoples whose co- comments about the show I saw and it made me real nervous. And I was like, oh no, Fitzy <laughs> doesn't like it. Um, but he says basically, not a great sign that 10 minutes in you have me actively hating your protagonist, main character, and not in a fun way. This is bad. My guess is they're intentionally doing this and that they'll double back to build our sympathy for him. But starting from a place like this is a bad choice. Uh, He points out, you just had your therapist lead casually call someone crazy in a conversation. That's just bad writing. And it's like, yeah, like, I feel like this is one of those things where we talked about it, like they were trying to clearly paint him in a bad light, but it really felt like they overdid it for like no good reason
3: yeah yeah i agree and like and things like the you know the therapists themselves using like terms like crazy which is like we we know like we know that's not a term that we should be using uh you know that there's so much stigma around those sorts of terms and to have your people in the industry using that to refer to their patients when they're supposed to be sympathetic it just doesn't feel like the right kind of vibe and it feels really incongruous with what. Sort of message it feels like the show is wanting to convey, and mm-hmm. so it's that it's always that question, especially when we're in uh, you know in stories um, that are like portrayed with a comedic edge to them, like shrinking. Like there is a lot of humor, there is a lot of like quippiness, and sometimes these kinds of things can more easily slip in. I think when we are occasionally looking for like a little bit of a laugh or a little bit of like a lightheartedness to some of these uh, these characters or these these banter but it's so important when you're dealing with something like mental health <laughs> professionals, like when you're dealing with something that like is so stigmatized that you need to be really careful with your words. Um, and so I didn't love that. Um, you know, it's also, I think that we got some feedback um, as well, or at least a mention and discussion in the, uh, in the discord about, uh, you know, the, the optics of uh, some of the stuff around Sean, especially like being like a, a black man. That's like, why are we doing like a, a story about like anger <laughs> and rage with like a black man? Like that just sort of feels a little bit like, why are we, What? why? <laughs> like, I hope there's something like meaningful to that choice. Um, when, you know, and like lampshading it with Gabby, like isn't really enough. Cause you as a show are still making the choice to go there. Uh, so hopefully they do some of those sorts of things well but there are a few moments that kind of caught me off guard in that kind of way that I didn't love
2: yeah for sure and um yeah it's funny there were like a few different kind of moments that were like race jokes that I was like gosh this feels a bit bold for like three white men who made this show but like yeah
1: yeah okay yeah uh
2: I don't know if just like getting like because you have a black character in the scene that, that like you think makes it okay. But I like, I don't, I don't know that it does like you haven't won mm. over our trust yet to sort of be making like satire type jokes. And I don't really think that's what you're doing. So yeah, not really. Okay. So there's definitely um, some kind of thin ice walking there that it's like, okay, show show mm. better, like kind of course correct on some of this. Cause this is not, not great um the other thing that oh, i sure. thought was interesting there was a bit of combo there around um people just not being sure like if this show is like pro therapy or anti-therapy yeah. yet <laughs> which i thought is like what a weird like very basic point of view for the show for us to not be totally clear on at this point
3: yeah yeah because it's, it's one of these things where it's like again if we kind of look at the the group is kind of coming into this like, uh, like Brett Goldstein from from Ted uh, from Ted Lasso is like a part of the sort of the production team behind shrinking here, and Ted Lasso, especially in its second season, like does really like dig into like the value of therapy mm-hmm. uh, and the value of like making sure your mental health is cared for. Um, so I feel like there's probably coming from a a, a perspective of like that therapy is good, but when your whole premise is about kind of bucking the uh the sort of tried and true for you know their their flaws as well like uh, approaches to uh you know caring for mental health you know you're bound to kind of brush up into some some awkward areas so i just hope that it is as we were talking about earlier in the podcast like a journey towards finding a balance point there and isn't just sort of saying like, eh, the way therapy is currently done is garbage. We need to be ridiculously unethical in what we should be doing. That's the way to like, you know, yeah. solve your problems. But it's actually about like, no, we need to sort of find a space that works for you in your circumstance. And sometimes that's not necessarily going to be out of the book, but it also yeah. can't be without the, the safety net of appropriate boundaries.
2: Yeah. I think what you said at the beginning about the like reflection of the hedge maze in the title sequence and th- this idea of like the shortcut isn't going to ultimately work that you have to take the long road and that therapy is a process and it is a long process. It is a lifelong process in any in many ways. Honestly, gosh, I'm, I, I'm a huge advocate of go to therapy now, like if you're just someone who's like, I don't know, life is kind of okay sometimes. Sometimes I feel sad, but like sometimes I'm happy and it's fair, it's pretty manageable. Now's when you should go to therapy. Now is the great time. I love going to therapy when I'm not in crisis. It is the best thing. It, you just talk about like, I don't know, my life could be better. Let's actually look at my life from a context of like potential solvable thing like actionable steps that I could take and not just like, hey, have you eaten food yet this week? You should probably do that. Like, it's, <laughs> it's just like such a better mindset to be doing that work in and Like, I just feel like I'm like actually able to do the work. Um, so, you know, go to therapy now. But what I think it's, I think this show is ultimately going to be telling us of like that process is ultimately important and worth it. And like, you have to be willing to put in the time and show up consistently for the people in your life and in therapy and that Jimmy is sort of buffing that in this time, but that ultimately we'll hopefully come back around to it. Uh, Cause I agree. Like it's weird to imagine the people associated with Ted Lasso suddenly being like, Do you know, what's bad in life therapy. Like uh, that, just, <laughs> that just doesn't drive for me. So I imagine that's where we're going.
3: Yeah. I certainly hope so. And I feel like there's enough seeds, even in these like first couple episodes that have some rough patches um, like that I can see that it could grow into that kind of message pretty well, pretty smoothly from where we start. It's always just tough when you've only got a few episodes to look at. You don't have the whole. So we're kind of speculating on where it might go, hoping for the best, but also like concerned for the worst. Cause you know, it wasn't a standout, like incredible start to this season. There were some some tricky bits, some things that were some odd choices uh some things that didn't land for us i do think i talking it through i'm feeling much better about the show than i same. was kind yeah, of
2: coming very in. much i same. think it,
3: i think it's sort of uh clarified some of where these narrative threads are being set up some of these character arcs and relationships further so i'm feeling much more optimistic after talking it through with you melissa uh, yeah.
2: so, <laughs> so I, hope, I hope for the people listening that's true as well maybe yeah
3: Yeah. And like, I really hope that everything goes our way from here on out. Uh, I hope that Brian's mantra kind of like carries us through, at least in terms (laughs) of like how we feel about the show uh, going forward, because I think there's a lot of good stuff here. And I hope that that's where, what gets the highlight.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so it it just, the last, the bit of feedback from, from Fitzy, he talks about, you know, he had a bit of an initial extreme reaction to these episodes uh, and that he does think maybe he was a, a bit harsher with that initial look, but that he's really just kind of turned off by the structure of the show and the behavior that we see. Um, and that the two episodes felt like they could have been kind of mid to late season episodes. And so he's dealing with, I think some of that pacing that we talked about where I think some of it is intentional and really interesting uh, narrative. And I think some of it is a bit of the weird pacing that you pointed out that I think is um, that we're sort of, playing catch up in this weird way. So I think that that is also kind of a very understandable feeling of like jumping in and feeling like you're already two steps behind on this show. Um, And then we shouted out Emily's question already. Thank you for that. Uh, And then T1000 wrote in uh, and talked about the, the scene where he walks into the office would have been priceless if we didn't already know that he was the therapist. Uh, You know, it's a pretty hard spoiler to avoid for this show. Unfortunately, um, he, he he makes reference to um or sorry they make reference i don't i don't know uh T1000, but uh, when he's talking about how it would have been simple to tell them to stop doing the thing that makes them sad, all I could think about is the Bob Newhart routine, uh, and I have to admit I don't know what this is a reference to. So if anybody <laughs> else does, um, if there's a link or something to it, please let me know because I like wasn't at all sure what this reference I,
3: was. I feel like I'm gonna have to add it to to my research list along with the overnight oats that,
2: <laughs> that I need
3: go. to figure out what this scene, uh, what this routine was because it feels like it's something I should know.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, and so they continue, not sure what to make of this show yet, but I'm going to keep watching because I really like Jason Siegel and Harrison Ford. There's some really good moments of funny dialogue and some pointed moments that make good points. Like when the daughter calls him out and says, this isn't enough. And the rest of that scene, which we went into, I think was a very important one. Uh, he talks about when he calls out his best friend for not letting him be sad. This is an important issue. And I wish that they'd even spent more time on it, uh, that it's a little taken right back because then the friend makes a joke about it and Jason Segel laughs. So again, just a bit of this pacing that I think the, the PSR viewers are kind of also feeling that we are. It says, obviously the show also goes off the deep end much more than I expected. And the viewer has to suspend disbelief because obviously all of this goes way beyond unrealistic and unethical. I do think that they are starting him off as unlikable and just really messed up so that there's room for a lot of growth. Uh, and then, shout out to uh, Jessica Williams as the female co-worker and just some great dialogue of feel free to call me first thing in the morning and then tell me I'm wrong. I live for it. Looking forward <laughs> to seeing Harrison Ford's character develop more. That was great.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Like, big, big ups to all of that. There is some, and I think that's like a very good summation of like what these first couple episodes have shown us. Like there's some really like poignant, beautiful stuff uh like some beautiful speeches some beautiful moments like we talked about the scene with alice the the scene with with brian i think also uh liz's confrontation with gabby is, is up there for me in terms of just really like punchy uh like effective uh dialogue maybe some like messy framing around it uh there's some like things that don't quite work as well but i mean i guess if if we're saying that like we none of us get through life unscathed and like not every show can get through, through its airing unscathed either. I just hope that we do kind of iron out some of these, like some of these kinks, some of these things that aren't quite working as well. um, And that we can get more into what we were hoping for when we embarked on this journey. Yeah.
2: At the very least talking about it with you has been really great and really insightful. So thank you, Austin. And, you know, for anybody out there, we will be back next week covering episode three but in the meantime if they want more austin where can they find you
3: you can follow me at austin f smith eight on twitter uh where i occasionally post my thoughts about whatever i'm watching uh if you're particularly into australian survivor uh, i'm covering that it just kicked off this week uh so you can see what i'm thinking about that there otherwise if you want to hear more of of my voice uh Melissa and I recently joined the aforementioned uh, way back at the beginning of the podcast, uh, our good friend DM Philly, uh, to talk about the Legend of Vox Machina uh, animated series from the folks at Critical Role, now airing on Amazon Prime. It's in its second season, halfway through already, uh, but we are... We hopped on the line with rich to talk about the process of adaptation and taking a actual play a DD campaign and adapting it to television uh it's been a really great series so far and we had a, a wonderful discussion talking about all of the changes and adaptation choices uh made along the way so so check that out if uh if fantasy adventure is your jam <laughs>
2: yeah uh you can follow me on twitter melissa w twenty eight and otherwise I'm podcasting for the patron feed as I talked about so any level gets you access to additional podcasts we're talking dr who with who a uh making our way through series three currently so you can just jump in with us whenever we're about to hit a really good stretch so that'll be really great Ooh. and uh, otherwise, I will be on a upcoming episode of Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist podcast. Uh, the Sorry, the one indescribable podcast crew covering <laughs> Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Uh, so I was on there talking about episode three. Uh, I am watching the show for the first time along with Adam. Um, and so we got on and talked about that. So you can check that out. And um, yeah, I think that's it. Uh, Shrinking, Fox Machina. You know, it's a pretty good time. And otherwise, I play DD over on twitch.tv slash DM Philly. So if you want to um, watch actual d d there's uh, d d in space. The Dragonfly show airs on Tuesdays with some very uh, prominent people about the PSR uh, woods as we are traveling through space. Not time, just space with our characters. So you can check that out. The old VODs are on DM Philly on YouTube. And so, yeah, catch us next time for... Season one, episode three of Shrinking. Goodbye.
1: Step into the world of power, loyalty